Arr, yeah, baby, we're back. Welcome to At The Corner Podcast, a Cleveland Guardian-centric podcast brought to you by your host, that is me, Zach Caldwell, and my co-host, Chuck. Yeah, that's right, my co-host, Chuck. Chuck is going to be here full-time doing series recaps with me. I got plenty of other content coming your way that's going to be just me, but as for talking ball, you can bet that Chuck is going to be a staple going forward. Proud to announce that. We got a banger episode for you today. Royal Series Recap, Monday Mailbag Double Dip, and I had the pleasure of interviewing Christian Rao, who's a big Orioles fan and runs a podcast called The Rao Report. Christian's going to help me preview the Guardians' upcoming series versus the Orioles. Not going to waste any more time. Let's do this thing. Take it away, Electronomia. As always, if you guys like the music in this podcast, you can find the links and descriptions to them in the very bottom of the podcast description. Not going to waste any of your time in this episode today. We got a lot to get to. We'll do series recap first, Monday mailbag double feature, and then I interviewed Christian Rao, who's a big Orioles fan, and he runs a podcast called The Rao Report, where he talks about all things baseball. Uh, Christian's a big Orioles fan. And I've had some very good interactions with him on Twitter. He's been super encouraging, uh, real fun dude to talk baseball with. He knows his stuff. He knows his craft. And I had the pleasure of interviewing him to talk about the upcoming series with the Guardians versus the Orioles. We will get into that and where you can find all of Christian's work. I do want to say real quick, I appreciate y'all's patience. Um, I am full-time active duty Air Force, and sometimes my commitments... Uh, require a lot more time than maybe some other things. Uh, And I've had a large majority of my free time taken from me recently because of a class that I have to focus on. Not complaining, not trying to be negative. It's what I have to do for me and my life. But fortunately, I have had enough time over about the last week and a half or so to sprinkle together some content to put together an episode for you guys. So going forward, Episodes are going to be pretty inconsistent, whether I can get them done on the weekends for a Monday upload, or maybe I have to squeeze in a couple of things to publish them later in the week, but I will do my best to keep it coming. Y'all know I love doing this. Uh, I don't get paid to do it. It's just something I do out of passion, so I will not say anything else about that, and without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Royal Series Recap. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the part of the podcast where we talk baseball. And today we are recapping the Guardians sweeping the Royals. That is right. Your Guardians swept the Royals. Uh, Overall, a great series. And uh, Chuck, I'll let you open it up, man. You got to watch all three games. I watched two of them. Uh, What did you think about what we saw versus the Royals versus what we had seen the week before? Oh, that was incredible, Zach. Man, we were waiting for a breakthrough, and we got it. Uh, this, I'd say Wednesday might have been the most encouraging game of the season in terms of the players who, who contributed. Uh, just seeing Pilk, uh, Zach, that, the top half of the first inning, I tweeted out, welcome to my life, Connor Pilkington. Holy shit, that was impressive. He, was, he touched 96 
96 mile per hour bullets. Uh, it, it, it and his breaking balls look great. That was that was really encouraging. And Jimenez had a Jimenez had two hits. This was the best. This uh, in terms of young players contributing, this was the most encouraging one of the season. And uh, game, you know, game two. It was just this. This was what we really needed. We, uh, I. This is this is the stretch we need. We get we. It's Royals, Orioles, Texas, Oakland. This is like and. Just don't look now, but the Twins lost four to five versus the Detroit Tigers. Yep. This, this is this is our shot. <laughs> this is our shot to make up ground. Yep. And so I this, think if we want to be competitive, we definitely need to take advantage of these teams. You know, you could argue the Royals are not a very good team, which let's be honest, they're probably not. But baseball is a game where any team can be anyone on any given day. And anytime you can rip off three straight, especially against a divisional opponent, feels pretty dang good. It was just we really needed that breakthrough. Like we were all like, the the Detroit series was so frustrating. We really, really needed a breakthrough. We finally got it. Um, Mon- Monday was very encouraging. Kyle Quantrill has really been consistent this season. Uh, his command gets shaky here and there, but he he really has been very very consistent. I am a little worried about the bullpen. It's you know we nobody seems to care, but I'm I am getting a little worried about the back end of the bullpen. But it, it was a very very good series that we really really desperately needed. I agree with that. So let's just go ahead and jump straight into it. Game one, Zach Plesac started uh, in a very uh, very nice change of pace from Plesac. Plesac get a quality start, five six innings pitch, five hits, one run. It was earned. Uh, did not walk a batter. Struck out five. Uh, unfortunately, Plesak pitched to Jim and did not get the win. Um, Eli Morgan came in. He pitched a solid inning, striking out two, doing his thing as he's done. Um, and unfortunately, Trevor Steffen comes out of the bullpen, and he <laughs> he gets a blown save. Uh, 0.0 innings pitched, three hits, two runs, both earned. Um, unfortunate yeah. that it panned out the way that it did for him. The The Twitter crowd is doing its thing crying for him to be gone. Well, guess what folks? He's still a very good pitcher and everybody has bad outings. And then Stanley came in and got the win. He pitched one inning. Uh he wa- he did walk 3, uh but he didn't walk, give walk, up any Zach, runners. Walk wasn't even a word. Isn't even a word for it. He wasn't even I, I Zach, I, that was insane. Yeah, he wasn't uh, even close. It, it was none of them was none of it was close. Uh, I I I I'm like so I was shocked how bad his command was. I, I get it. Like his, his command was like, you know, declining as, as the season went on, but Holy crap. That, that was, that was a bad outing. I, I was like alarmed right away. Like this guy may, I, at, at, as it was happening, I was thinking to myself, they mean They may need to send him down. Like, like, you know, but he, but listening to Tito's comments, he hung in there and he, and he competed and he didn't quit. And it was enough. He got through the inning that he did. So, we have seen that a bit from him with Sandlin struggling with uh, command. It's almost as like when he gets runners on base, he changes his mentality from maybe working around hitters to attacking them and challenging them. So overall, uh, he did get out of it. Sad to see Stefan kind of get banged around. You know, maybe people have figured him out a little bit. As for the Royals side, uh, they got a very good start. They got a quality start from their starter, Heasley. 
He pitched six, gave up six hits, gave up three runs, walked three, struck out three. Aradis Viscaino came out of the pen. He pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, and then Snyder pitched a third of an inning. He got saddled with the loss. And then Griffin closed it out for them. So highlights about this game for me. Uh, Quan got a Quan got a triple. Uh, that was a pretty crazy play. Uh, Ramirez is still doing his thing. He is banging the baseball. His OPS is still over a thousand currently at 1.039. Um, straw, unfortunately still sitting O for three in the leadoff spot. I think we could, we actually did see a change in the leadoff hitter after this game. He did walk twice and he scored twice. He, he, he is like up there and walks like really up there. Yeah, but uh, you got to hit, man. I know. You got to hit. I just, we, we, we spoke about this. I just, I don't know what they do. Like, what do you do? I just, um, but he is walking. Just my God, you, you got to hit. He's all the way down at two thirty ish, two thirty two, I believe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, two thirty two is what he was at after Monday's game. I, I honestly do think that he is the best defensive center fielder right now in the American League. Yeah, that's just that that that, that is me. So he and his speed is and is obviously elite. So there is a spot for him in the lineup every day. I just don't think he's the leadoff man. I, I don't. And, you know, maybe he needs a break. Like kind of like we saw Quan get shuffled down into the bottom part of the lineup, you know, maybe slide straw down into like the five spot or put him in the eight spot. It's, it's tough because they, the club has proven that they like Jimenez batting in the bottom of the lineup to get that bottom end production. Um, and Jimenez has shown that he's very capable and very comfortable hitting there. Um, you know, Ahmed batting in the two hole. Y'all know how I feel about that. He's the better he plays good on him. The better we get a trade return for him. Like that's where we're at. Just accept mean, it. It is what it is. You mean Rosario? You mean? Yeah. Rosario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I, I've given up on, on, on acknowledging him at shortstop. I think we all need to. Uh, it's, it's just, build the trade value any way we can. I actually tweeted Ahmed Rosario, do not swing at three balls in the dirt. We need to build your value. After after August 1st, you can go nuts. Thank you. <laughs> that was a tweet I sent. He, he it's just about he has he clearly has no future on this team. Everyone knows we have a billion shorts uh middle infield prospects. But he has he has only one year control left after this. He's it's you know it's it's interesting. They, he, I saw in game three of the series on Wednesday, we'll get to that later. Tito takes out Palacios for Straw for defense, but he doesn't move Jimenez to short for defense. It's just interesting the way that they really are committed to giving Ahmed Rosario every day at bats to shortstop. And I just think the way their the roster construction is, ah, this, the left field thing isn't working out. They just can't get a bats for him in left field. That's and, and they're stuck with him at shortstop. That's really what, what it feels like. Until I, August 1st. I agree. And, you know, I think, I think Rosario maybe is gone at the deadline to make way for other guys like Tyler Freeman, you know, at the time we're recording this Tyler Freeman, he is swinging a bat that is smoking hot. Um, Gabriel nice Arias is yeah, nice uh, home run today. Yes, he did. Gabriel Arias <laughs> is uh, back in the cage at the guardians complex in Arizona. Uh, getting in cage work, rehabbing his hand. But let's go ahead and wrap up game one. Obviously, the big impact from this game 
was the Jimenez home run in the eighth inning. Um, I mean, what more can you say about the kid, man? We just, we talk about him and we talk about him and it looked like he might've started to fall off a little bit. Maybe teams had figured him out, but just when you think he's down and out, bam, he comes right back and he surprises you. And yeah, I am, I am not surprised at all. And do you want, do you want a hot take on Jimenez? I have a hot take. He, he is, he has officially, in my opinion, cemented a spot in on this roster long-term. I prefer shortstop, but he is going to be one of the middle infielders long-term on this roster. I agree. I'll, I'll go one step further. I think that he has the potential to develop like Trey Turner did. He could very much be a Trey Turner style hitter. You know, if you look at Turner early in his career, he is a huge part of his game also. Uh, yes. Well, and Turner too. Turner is a guaranteed 20, yeah. 25 steals a year. And early in his career, Turner was a high contact, high defense, high speed guy. But as he's developed and come into his prime, he's added some power. I could very much see Jimenez developing like that. The kid has shown he could smack the ball. He hit that home run to dead center field. Granted, yeah. that's not a home run in a lot of ballparks. I yeah. don't care. It's probably over fielders' heads most of the time. I, I didn't think – so I didn't think it was going to get out, but he, he not just – you know, he's batting over 400 the runs in scoring position. That is – he's got some big hits for this team. He had the grand slambers Oakland. Yeah, he had the yeah, third home run in this game. Yeah, he, he, he had a couple of go-ahead RBI, RBI hit base hits as well. He's got some monster, monster, but – Monster hits, but run, batting 400 with runners in scoring position, that is, Zach, that's big time. It that's, is. Well, and it just goes back to show, too, the Guardians bat well with runners in scoring position. They have all year. It's an amazing – he doesn't walk ever, <laughs> like literally ever. And he just – he puts he puts the bat on the ball. It's, it's really it's really fun fun to watch. And and his fielding was better – we all knew his gold glove – like defender, but just seeing it every game, you could just see like the elite defensive capabilities. And like, when he played, it's, it's just, he's a really fun player to watch. You he know? is. And so we'll wrap up game one. Um, but just for a reference with runners in scoring position, Cleveland is fifth best in all of baseball. They're batting three thirty three as a team. The only teams that are in front of them are the Rockies, the white Sox, surprisingly the Rangers and, of course, to no surprise, the Dodgers, who are are smashing a massive 426 with runners in scoring position. So, but you have to like that. Uh, they are getting guys in when they've got them on base, and uh, just overall great game. Had it in the bag early. Bullpen kind of was a little shaky, but overall, they come around and they get it done. Zach, so, interesting, interesting splits on Jimenez. He's batting 391 with a 417 OPP and a 938 OPS versus left-handed pitching. That is, that's it's just it's 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 so much fun to watch. Well, and it's like, so much unheard of too because yeah. Jimenez is a lefty. Like normally, yeah, same-sided le- le- same-sided batters bat significantly worse. Yeah, against same-handed pitching, and, and and he's running, he's rolling out reverse splits, batting 391 left on left, and that, that, that's. That's extremely impressive for a young hitter, especially. And so, if this is really big for this organization, I agree. We all get tied up in what's you know what what's the lineup in twenty twenty four, and that, no, this is this is something really excited to be about right now and the build the future. And right now, 
this is a player that this team can build or can build around with along with Jose Ramirez, obviously. I agree. So let's go ahead and move on to game two. Um, Ooh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I wanted to get your take on Plesak's performance. You've been the captain of uh, you were calling uh, for You were calling for You know head. what? I, I got to eat crow. <laughs> I, I have to eat crow because there ain't nobody out there that's been waving a bigger banner for Plesak to be out of the rotation than me. And uh, man, was I was I wrong? You know, it it just goes to show that he is capable. He is incredibly capable of pitching very well. Um, and he had his stuff, man. He looked he great. Really, so today, it, yeah, I agree. It, it's not a day. To, it, this is not a time to be cynical about Zach Plesac. I just uh, the book is out on him. If if he has runners on base, he really just like just his command moves, is awful. Yeah, just completely collapses. There was a, a time in the game, uh, Oscar Gonzalez, I, I don't know what happened. He had a breakdown and he threw the ball into the stands with, uh, with two outs. We'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as, he's, as he's walking off the field, Terry Francona goes, do they play with three outs in AAA? I'm just curious. Yeah, I, think the, I think the exact quote was, uh, hey, I haven't been down to AAA in a while. Do they still make y'all get three outs? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> point, and, point taken. And I think that's just what makes and, Tito such a great so, manager. Yeah, and so so Plesak he picked him up and he got got out of the jam. Yep, and, and I uh, thought that was a really good learning moment for Oscar too, which we haven't yeah. even gotten to talk about Oscar yet, you and I yeah. really. So let's go ahead and move on to game two. Um, eight to three win. Uh, Cleveland scored three in the bottom of the first. They came back and scored another three in the bottom of the third, and then capped it off with two in the sixth. They were in the driver's seat from the get go. Uh, Quantrill gets a win. He gets another quality start. He's now two and three on the year, 6.1 innings pitch, six hits, three runs, all earned. Again, another starter that did not walk anybody, struck out five. Have to like what you're seeing from the starting pitching right now in limiting free passes. This team has shown that if they can control walks, they have a pitching staff that is very capable of getting it done. Henches came in after, pitched two-thirds, gave up a hit, struck out one. Delos Santos came in and pitched a scoreless inning with a, with a punchy. And then Brian Shaw comes in in a non-leverage situation, <laughs> walks Thank two, God. strikes out one, and gets it done. Um, lo- I got to watch this game, uh, and there's a lot of talk about Rosario maybe being rewarded for a bit of his bad luck because uh, he had been smacking the ball. He had a couple balls that probably should have been home runs that were deep flyouts, uh, and he's finally starting to get good contact rewarded. He had a double. He had a triple. Miller doubled. Gonzalez doubled. Forget it. Let's go ahead and talk about Oscar Gonzalez. I told y'all, I told y'all like a month ago (laughs) that Oscar Gonzalez was the truth. And I'm glad that I was right. And for those of you who didn't know, you'll hear me talk about this in the guard in the Orioles series preview with Christian Rao. Oscar Gonzalez was an unrestricted minor league free agent coming into this season. He yes, chose he, he chose to re-sign with Cleveland and accept an invitation to come to spring training, knowing that he would not have a 40-man roster spot. And he has cleaned up his strikeout rate. The kid doesn't walk. Okay. I think in 91 plate appearance or 91 at bats, he had walked twice, or it was over hundred plate appearances. He had walked twice. He does not walk, but there's a reason he does not walk. He is 6'4. 240 pounds and he's got long arms he can get that bat out in front of that ball very quickly and what an incredible start 
much like Quan did at the beginning of the year, except yeah. Gonzalez is smacking the baseball. He is hitting it hard. What a fun play! Really fun player to watch. You know, you 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 hear about a player, you follow. I remember I I remember reading the reading the reports when he signed uh, in the in the Guardian system. I almost and couldn't that, believe it because it yeah. almost looked like he didn't have a chance with the team. Yeah. So, and then like, I, I it's there's I, I, there's nothing. I what I love about baseball, you follow a prospect since either, when either he signed or when he's drafted, and you follow him and you, and you you root for him, you pull for him. You don't know what his future is, and then you finally see him come up to the show, and just to see this, it's such it's so fun to watch. And had his walk-up song, Zach, is, Sponge, is SpongeBob SquarePants theme yep. song. I was going to talk about that. Yeah, and Mandy Bell of, uh, of MLB.com, who's, tr- who's a tremendous beat writer for the team, I asked him, well, why is that? He says, uh, because he, he says it's a kid's song and baseball's kid's game. And, and that's why. That's just incredible. You know, that's just it, awesome. It's almost yeah. like, like, as if you didn't like the kid enough. Yeah. Like, man that that sense of humility of like and that speaks a lot to the way that he plays the game because i get that i get from that like he goes up he's thankful to play the game every day he's excited to step into the batter's box and take take the field with his teammates and just play the game and he plays the game very well and he doesn't just hit ladies and gentlemen this man in his first five games has an assist from right field absolutely hosed Andrew yeah, Benatendi mos- at the plate. And you know what? So, it maybe wasn't a great throw. Benatendi would have been out by a mile if the throw was on the plate. But the fact that it was a strong throw that gave Hedges time to come back and tag Benatendi out at the plate. Ladies and gentlemen, that ball left his hand per stat cast at 99.2 miles per hour. That wow. is a cannon. Yes. And that if teams are generally willing to accept less than average fielding in right field. He does not play less than average defense. He had a very nice running catch in right field, running into the wall in Comerica. Uh, He reacts to fly balls. Well, he gauges them. He gets under them and he's got a hose for an arm. Like, yeah. What more do you want? I'm really high on Oscar Gonzalez. I always was. I never understood these, these ridiculous top 30 prospects and he never was included in it. And he, the, the the power the strikeout rate's gone down the, the I got a good comp Zach I'm not saying he's gonna be who turn out the, the player he's gonna be he was I'm not saying it but when I when I watch Oscar Gonzalez play the smile the energy the the batter's box presence the build the arm strength the pop he reminds me of Seal Puig a little bit just like the the electric way he plays just i, I get you seal puig vibes i'm not gonna say that's who he's gonna become i just whenever when i'm watching him play it's that's just what i feel right away like he just that's that's who he reminds me of a little bit but he's so much fun to watch i just love the energy he brings on both sides of the ball and, the, and the dugout the smile he he's really been fun been fun to watch but i guess in the back of all of our minds we're just like thinking like how is this all going to work when Framo Reyes gets back, and and what are they going to do? It's it's just really fun to watch him play. So well, and again, the team has yeah. shown that if young talent can can get it together, 
they will make room for them on this roster and give them a chance to play. And I think that's, that is the most exciting thing about this season is we are going to see a lot of young guys. So there is a few, two things I want to bring up in this game on, on, uh, on the, on the offense. Ernie Clement came through. Oh, he is. He, he has. <laughs> you already know what I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I know where you're going with that. But we need to give credit where credit is due. He's in in the in the month of May. He's 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 hit a lot better. Um, so he and he's an elite defensive defensive infielder and all, all across the diamond. Yes, he's not the he's not going to hit home runs, and you know we would like his speed to be better for that kind of a for that kind of a profile as well. But he has performed better, so we need to give him credit where credit is due. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you with this because I've been shitting on him all year. Austin Hedges, he hit a three run homer. <laughs> I, he did. I, I have a confession to make. I was I was on the wrong end of this. I've I watched the he was he was mic'd up for the game on on the on the horrific YouTube broadcast that I was forced to watch instead of Bowie Sports Cleveland. And you he he's just you could just see the leadership and the he, he every at bat he's talking and chirping and having a good time screaming at the top top end of the top of the dugout i love that zach uh he's gonna be a some team will hire him as a coach someday yeah Yeah. poking 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 throws uh strikes him out in a 96 mile of a fastball and hedges screaming at uh at bieber and police he threw a six on him he threw a six he has a higher (laughs) view he has a higher view than any member of the guardians of rotation that's what he said and he's the second best uh, – uh, an updated uh, thing came out. He's the second best pitch framer in all of the Major League Baseball right now. Yep. I was on the wrong end of this. I'm going to eat it on this. I, I, it's it's horrific to watch sometimes. The batting average makes you want to pull your hair out. But the leadership that he brings the leadership to those guys. He brings, the leadership he brings, the, the pitch calling – and the way he handles the staff, the leadership he brings in the clubhouse, the defense behind the plate. I, I, I'm starting to see why the value he brings to this team possibly long-term even. I would like I, I would bring him back next year. I would. Uh, I'm not saying run him out there, six game, giving him five, uh, you know, 500, bat, 550 at-bats. I, I just see the value he brings to the team, and, and I was wrong on that. Uh, but he he makes it tough sometimes, but is that bad? Because it could be it could be bad. Well, he but either he, swings a wiffle ball bat or yeah. he swings a screamer. <laughs> like there's no but, in between. But he can. But the, he is extremely important to this to this team, big time. Uh you're right. A lot of us have been wrong about hedges and that mic'd up segment in the game that we'll talk about next. Um, but, uh, really kind of uh, prove that. I just want to talk on the pitching. I'll uh, touch on the pitching. Quantro really looks good. He doesn't get really, he doesn't get nearly enough credit. He's just really Mister Consistent. Um, it's which is really uh, you know just he rolls out of bed and throws and gives you six innings and just gives you a chance to win. That's pretty much what he does. He's a gamer. You know, yeah, fastball, sinker, slider, fastballs at ninety four. He really you know, he, the command kind of loses itself a little bit. He's looking. He can he could just randomly get all, get all over the place and just lose it. You know, he he hit under Dozier. That 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 wasn't good, and he hit Bobby Witt Jr. too. Oh, but, oh, but, oh, yeah, yeah. And so it could, you know, it could get so he get himself in trouble sometimes. But he always seems to pitch himself out of trouble. That's that's the difference between him and Plesac. He's he always seems to like whenever there's like runners on base, he always seems to like pitch himself out of trouble. 
it wasn't there every time this game, but he gets a lot of double plays and uh, just he's re- he really is a consistent pitcher. And it was nice to see Dilo Santos. We need uh, Zach. I, I'm starting to think that he may be the like. I, I'm still high on Stefan because of his legitimate three pitch mix. He just he's just been it, it, giving up runs is going to happen. And like Dilo Santos you know, has been that real quiet yeah, sleeper sniper though. Yeah, I, I'm starting to think he really may be the, the their the third best option in terms of high leverage relief after after Stefan and obviously Class A. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in Stefan, but Delos, Delos Santos looks great. You know, easy, easy 96, not easy 95, 96 monster mound presence, unique, unique slot, unique, unique slot release. So it's hard to pick him up. And then he, then he has like a crazy slider. He, he's a, he can pitch Zach. What a yes, find for this organization. Well, and I've, I've been wanting to see more of him too. I think it's been interesting that he has proven he can be consistent uh, but we're still seeing him kind of like in a limited usage. You know, we're still seeing guys like Eli Morgan. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we hadn't seen Sam Henches in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I was losing my mind watching Sam. <laughs> I, I was tweeting. I, th- I know you saw that too. I was losing my mind. Like, is Sam Henches? I think I texted you. Where the <laughs> hell is Sam Henches? <laughs> it's like, did Sam oh, Henches oh, die? Alex Sandlin, clear, he clearly doesn't have his command. He clearly didn't have his command. And like, we're about to, like, you know, the game was on the line. Remember, it was still a tight game at this yep. point. And it was like he walks, he walks the bases loaded. I'm just, I'm freaking out. Where the hell, like, where, what's going on here? Get where's it? And, and so I think we're starting to see hedges being used more in high leverage relief. You, you get the feeling that they're kind of scared to throw him out lefty versus righties a little bit. They're just kind of trying to manipulate him, facing as many lefties as possible. You get the feel that they're nervous to throw him out versus right handed batters. But he, Henches and Dilo Santos look incredible. I agree. So last last thing I'll touch on this game. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, Jose Ramirez, uh, what do you want to say? The Royals chose to intentionally walk him uh, in his first two at-bats. And then the very first pitch he sees when they decide to pitch to him, smacks uh, it. he just smacks for a single. So uh, Jose, man, if y'all are please pay attention to what he is doing, man. He, he is the truth. He's very quietly one of the best third basemen, if not the best third baseman in all of baseball and the numbers show it. You know, what's incredible about this, Zach, we've watched him for so long. So we all know the player he is. He's just, it's just, he is amazing. He, He just amazes us every single night. It's like, if you walk him, if you intentionally walk him, that's great. Then you get, then he steals a base. So he's in, then he's in scoring position right there. And then, uh, you know, so you regret it right away. So it's, he really just amazes us with the, the base running, the, the hitting, the power, the, just the, just, and, and both sides of the plate, but it's nothing new. We're just in awe of how he, he's performing. And it's, well, again, we're not new to this. But he's blowing us away, Zach, on a nightly basis. Yeah, I'm an all. I'm an all to watch him play. Let's go ahead and move on to game three. Uh, something I did forget to mention throughout this, uh, this point, like so, up through these first two games, um, Cleveland put on a track meet versus Salvador Perez. Quan had a stolen base in the game on Monday, and then Jimenez and Ramirez both uh, stole off of Perez. So Perez's defense. 
maybe not quite what it used to be. Uh, he is obviously an offensive first uh, catcher, but he always has brought a plus arm and been respectable in the past on running. So he doesn't, he doesn't good look, to see Cleveland be aggressive on the base paths. He doesn't look healthy to me for uh, Salvi. He just he's, something he's looks some, older. He just looks a little nicked up. This doesn't look right to me. I, I just that's that was just my t- takeaway from watching him in the series. All right. I, I, yeah. Let, you ready to go ahead and move on to game three? Yes. All right. So I did not get to watch this game, unfortunately, because of work commitments. So while I get the box score pulled up here. All right. So this game ended for nothing. I was really disappointed that I missed this one because I really wanted to watch Pilkington uh, pitch. And lo and behold, sure enough, the game that I don't get to watch, <laughs> Pilkington comes out and he looks like an absolute monster. Five innings pitch, five hits, no runs, two walks, eight strikeouts, uh, pumping his fastball, 96, like you 96. said. 96. Getting, getting some big boy velo on that fastball and... Uh, you know, he's got a he's got a heavy arm slot delivery for that fastball so he puts a lot into it um eli morgan <laughs> eli morgan man uh two innings two hits no walks four strikeouts throwing that bugs bunny changeup that he throws so well and uh then again brian shaw in a non-leverage situation to right. close it out um pitching obviously fantastic through the whole series minus the first game with the bullpen kind of giving it away uh, what more can you ask for? Some highlights offensively from this game. Quan, two for four in the leadoff spot. That's good to see. Oh, Rosario, nice to see. Rosario, two for five. Uh, still starting to heat up a little bit. Uh, Hosey went 0 for four, but he did get an RBI on a ground out. That's okay. Guys will have bad days at the plate. Nails and Miller go 0 for three. Gonzalez went 0 for four. Uh, that was the first time we'd seen him go 0 for uh, maybe teams starting to adjust a little bit to him, at least the Royals, having seen him so much. Jimenez, two for four. Palacios, two for three. Uh, and Maley, 0 for three. So lots of different guys contributing and getting it done in this game, even when Hosey's going 0 for four and Gonzo's going 0 for four with a strikeout. Actually, that's pretty telling. So Gonzo did go 0 for four, but he only struck out once. So he doesn't Not strike like out a lot. I, I thought he I thought he had the the grand slam. Uh, he I I did I off the just pad. missed it. I thought I, wouldn't it, it was just weird. I, I thought he had it. Maybe it was just me wanting to see it more than it actually reality. I want to see him get his. I want to see him get his first one so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just we hear so much about his about his power, but he just missed it. But um, a uh, few takeaways from this game. Uh, it was really nice to see Quan. You know, we were all just we were getting a little on edge about what you know where he's heading. You know, he's losing a huge month of May was brutal, especially last uh, two weeks. Oh yeah, and and it was just really nice to see him getting uh getting uh two hits there, and he also uh, walked too. Yeah, and Andres Jimenez again coming through runners in scoring position, and uh, he gets a uh, gets that uh single in the uh, knocks a single into center field, and then he. Then he has a. Then he bloops one uh, opposite field to. I think I think it was left, and Richie Palacios, man. Every time you look up, he's just getting a base hit. He's getting a base hit. It's just he's up to he, he's up to three twenty six uh, in terms of in terms of batting average. I don't I don't Zach. I don't know what they're gonna do. I, I 
look how look how they, some of these guys are getting traded. Uh, I don't care what this. I don't care what our record is. Some of these guys are getting traded. Yeah. And but Palacios looks really good. I, you get the feeling they're not because of his defense. They're a little worried about him. That's why we haven't seen him as much as we should. Because Zach, he's performing. And oh, he is. I, I'm like screaming, like, why isn't this guy getting at bats? Oh, it's, and, the, uh, it's the crux of 26 players, and they all need playing time. I don't envy yeah. Terry Francona at all right now. Yeah, it was nice to see Ahmed Rosario. We got to build up his trade value. Um, it was just – I'm really, really encouraged by Richie Palacios and obviously Andre Simenez in this game. But I, just, I but uh, we, we're going to touch on pitching after this. But um, I'm a little worried about Owen Miller – a tad i'm getting I'm getting a little worried but i think i think he'll be fine he's just he's just a professional hitter you know he always was he always has been in the minor leagues so i think he'll be okay i uh, just the way he's i don't know he he, he was he he had an off day versus a righty so you could tell they're a little worried about him i just get i'm just anxious about where about his the way he's been performing but again i brought this up earlier i don't know why the hell they sub Palacios for straw for defense for, and Mercado and Gonzalez for defense, but they wouldn't put him in as a shortstop for defense. Just, just makes no sense at all. Just makes me want to pull my hair out. It just but, makes um, you scratch your head. I wouldn't worry yeah. too much about Miller. He's still batting 263 versus lefties. He's still batting really well versus righties at 276. Obviously, at one point, he was batting over 300 versus right-handers, but he's still on base over 300 versus both. He's still slugging 400 plus uh, against both sides. So I wouldn't be too worried. Every guy cools off every now and then, but I did an article on why Owen Miller has improved so much. Uh, and it's really, it's really shown the work that he put in with Chris Valaika in the off season and his discipline, the contact he makes, what types of pitches he's swinging at. Um, I think he'll be just fine. We saw Jimenez go through a little bit of maybe a cool down period where his average dropped from like 313 to like 279. And now he's back up around the 287 mark. So I have no doubt that Miller will come around. You know, he's earned everyday playing time. So I wouldn't be too worried about him. Yes. Yeah, so let, let's, let's, let's go on pitching. Wow. That was, the, I don't know if you saw that, but Connor Pilkington, I tweeted before the game. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Uh, the beauty of being cheap is I have to break Zoom calls up when, when they get too long because I ain't paying 20 bucks a month for that. So, Chuck, you were talking about the pitching for game three. Uh, you wanted to talk. You wanted to start that off. So get us going. Absolutely. Um, man, Connor Pilkington throwing 96. Holy shit. That was awesome. Uh, it, it, it knocked me out of my chair, actually. I, I couldn't believe it. Nothing. That came out of nowhere. I'm and, like, um, I'm like at work, like trying to follow along with the game, like as we get breaks. And I saw that Pilkington struck out eight, and I was like, what? I'm like, what? all right. I'm like, <laughs> like all right. I'm going to have to talk about this after class. Also, uh, the key for him, for him I t- as I tweeted before the game, is always going to be fa- fastball command, especially young pitchers, fastball command. He needs to, if you believe your, your stuff plays in the zone, if you believe in your stuff, and you and the, and you and you can hang in the zone, some pitchers never figure that out. You need to have that that self confidence within your talent, within your within your stuff that it plays within the zones against major league hitters. And if you command that stuff, you're going to be fine. 
So basically, they simpl- they they simplified the game plan for him. Just trust your fastball, command it, and pick your spots with the breaking balls. As long as you're commanding that fastball and and and, and you're chugging down 96-95, the big ass lefty with his arm slot, you're gonna you're gonna do fine. So if you command the fastball and pick your and pick your spots in the breaking balls, we're gonna have a good day. And holy shit, it was a great day. Um, man, what a, what a performance! Two eight strikeouts, five hits, five five innings pitched. Gets his first major league win, which is really awesome. I was getting anxious they weren't gonna th- like you know they're gonna maybe piggyback Morgan early, but they he, they got him the W, which is really nice to see. Eli, you know Zach, I was wrong on this too. I think it's officially like time. We just leave Morgan in the bullpen, leave it the way it is, and just let him let him pitch in the bullpen. Well, and I know that, a lot that, of us early in the year wanted him to get starts, but man, yeah. he has been a monster out of yeah, the bullpen. Yeah, so, so for two reasons. He has been like a beast in the bullpen. That 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 fastball, not 93-94, he he touched 95 the other day, but that fastball change up mix really plays up in that bull in, in the pen. In short sprints, like really plays up, like better than we could have ever imagined pl- plays up. So like, he he completely had a crazy strikeout. Maybe been Merrifield, I don't know who it was, but that nasty Bugs Bunny changeup, as we love to say on this show. And uh, we got we got a Rob Friedman pitching ninja, yeah, saying it too. And I think um, one of the things that makes him so good, like you said, and I think. Uh, I think it was Cleguard Pro, which for those of you who don't follow him on Twitter, you should. He follows Cleveland prospects. Uh, it's Guardian's perspective. Uh, he works for Sports Illustrated, um, and even he noticed like Eli Morgan uh, put on some muscle in the off season yeah. to be able to pump that fastball the way that he does. But that fastball that he can he can get it up there near ninety five, <laughs> and then he comes back and hits you with this dynamite changeup that he throws in the exact same arm slot at his fastball. And it's yeah. 20 miles an hour slower. You're not, and you're not he kidding. throws a slider. Yeah. You're not kidding. Come Zach. On. He, he, uh, when the ability. To, so what's so cool about a change up fastball combo is the ability to change speeds with the same slot at the same arm speed. Like, like the, so the, like the ball is going obviously at a different speed, but the arm, you know, the arm angles and the arm deliveries is going at the same at the same time. So it, it's like you're at a batter. You either, basically you just, you, you make one pick either fastball or change up and pick a spot where he's going to pitch it or else you're screwed. That's basically what it is. So that fastball change up combo really plays up. I, I just love the way he, he changes speeds and, and the arm speed's still the same. And it's really, he is, he's, he's fun to watch, but we were, I was, I was dead wrong on this. He needs to be in the bullpen for two reasons. One, Obviously, for his performance, and two, I think the bullpen really needs him right now. I agree. Uh, so, we still got a lot of figuring out that they're doing. So, I mean, I get annoyed the way he's kind of used sometimes, but he really performs well. And you're not kidding; he really put on weight. I'm watching the game with my wife the uh, the other night, and she looks at me and she goes, "I go, do you like, hey, do you like Morgan?" And she goes, "Hmm." He put on some weight. Definitely, he's gotten a little thickness to him. Yeah, that, was the, that was the first thing she said. Um, but yeah, he, he looks tremendous. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's big for the team. And I think the bullpen really needs him. He's going to be there long term until they figure things out. 
I agree. So some StatCast metrics, because y'all know I love StatCast stuff. It gives us a window into like how things play out with like similar pitches and similar locations. So expected batting average, which is StatCast way of saying based on pitches that batters see and the contact that they make versus Morgan with similar hits that have the same launch angle and exit velocity, what is the total sum of all past at bats batting average put together? So for his expected batting average for this year, what do you think it is? Give me a rough idea what you think it might be. His XBA. I don't know. It's, it's what, I'm, I'm struggling on this. What do you think? What is it? It's 0.191. Wow. So I thought it was going to be a, a little bit. I thought it was going to be a little greater than that. He's under 200, dude. His weighted on base average I, I, is also under 200. That is crazy. I was going to go maybe 220-ish. but Which would still be is, very good. Which, which is awesome. I, I, right? I, I just... I, I thought maybe 220, 225. Uh, I was I was going to say that, but I the way you presented the question, I thought it was uh, that it was going to be bad, wrong. But that is incredible. It is obviously have to love what you see from Eli Morgan, um, and of course we saw Brian Shaw in a non-leverage situation, and Shaw looked good. Pitched an inning, uh, struck out two. Very vintage Brian Shaw form, which is what you want to see. And then Classe comes in to get some work, slams the door. Obviously a non-save situation, but you know nothing wrong with strutting your closer out there uh, to get them work. Uh, and you know nobody better to close out a game <laughs> and prevent things from possibly getting out of control than Emmanuel Classe of all people. So you know we saw Classe get banged around maybe a little bit at the beginning of the season. Uh, he had a blown save and a loss in the Yankees series. But ever yeah, the, since then, he has the Yankees been series dominant. really hurt. The Yankees, the Yankees one really hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but arguably because the game should have been over. We talked about that. I talked about that in a past episode about a couple blown calls that changed the course of that game. But ever since that, he's really bounced back. Uh, he's got that big, nasty, natural cutter. <laughs> he throws a dirty slider. Uh, and lots to be excited about. There's obviously like lots of really good core pieces like starting to come together in Cleveland's bullpen. You've got Eli Morgan who can be used in like high leverage or he can be used in long relief because he comes from a starter role. You've obviously got your closer of the future in Emmanuel Classe. Uh, I don't care if Brian Shaw collected what he's due the, for the rest of the season if he sat on his couch. Um, but one thing I was thinking about the other day, uh, there really are not a lot of other pitching options available on the 40 man roster to be called on right now other right. than Johan Ramirez and, and Castro and Castro. And, I don't and those think, are pretty, we haven't those, seen those, Castro yet. Have we? No, we have. He, he was called up for a, for a couple double headers and, and he got caught. He, he was on the, he was on the 26 man. Then he got, I believe he got COVID and then they optioned him after that. Yep. But he, they're, those guys are really just bullpen, bullpen depth, really, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not high leverage relievers. They're, those those are that's that's middle relief bullpen depth. You know, uh, yeah. I I'm screaming for Nick Mikolakchak. I don't know why he's just he puts up zeros in Columbus and nobody seems to care. He's I don't know maybe, maybe just DFA Kirk McCarty and purchase him and then figure. I don't out, figure think out. Cleveland has any intent on seeing what McCarty has. I think we would have yeah. seen him already if that was the case. I agree. He was just he was just called up to protect the bullpen after a disaster after after the disaster, 
but but yeah, he has no future on this team. But I, I, I'm screaming for Nick Nikolacek. I don't know why nobody seems to care or talk about him on Twitter. All he all he does is put up put up zeros, and I don't know. He has a he has a legitimate three pitch mix out of the bullpen. So I don't I don't understand it. It doesn't make it makes zero sense to me. Nick they called up Nick Sandlin last year. I think you know way earlier than they would have called up Mikolajic now. So it's not like you know it's out of there. It's it's not something they don't do. I just don't get it. But what a Zach! This was this was the exact this was the series we needed, and we are you four and a half the games teams out. you're supposed to beat. It's really simple. If you go eight hundred versus the bad teams. 500 versus the good teams. There's a good chance you're in the playoffs. It's really simple, isn't that? Yep. It, and I don't it, think it, any of us are counting on Cleveland making the playoffs, but man, it would be nice to see them get hot and make a pretty solid wild card run. Yeah, it'd be so interesting to see what they do at the deadline if they if they if they're if they're in the thick of it. Because Zach, the White Sox are falling off a cliff. Tim Anderson just got hurt. Oh boy, that's something. That's another thing I wanted to touch on. Look, I, I don't want to shit on other teams when they're down. But the Chicago White Sox just DFA Dallas Keuchel. They're going to eat a shitload of money on his contract. Man, man, and, he was terrible. And they traded Connor Pilkington for Cesar Hernandez, which ended up being a rental. Yep. So that is just, you know, that is how what good organizations do. The fact that Pilkington already has come up clutch in a spot and got his victory, got a victory, is going to, and is replacing Savali in the. In, in the you know, in the bullpen and then the rotation. That's just what good organizations do. And, you know, that trade is already a, a win at this point. So that's, you know, Zach, that's just great scouting, great, great trades. Great front office management. Great front office management, scouting, development teams. They're, I'm sure they did their homework on the draft and followed them through. But, you know, he wasn't a top 30, top top 20 guy in terms of prospects, in terms of baseball, America, MLB.com and the Chicago system. He definitely wasn't in our top 30 when, when the system came, when, when it, when it came out before the season. So that's just great. That's just great scouting uh, on, on our part. And, and the White Sox, holy smokes, are they in trouble? Zach, um, they're, they're in trouble Zach, they're on a trouble. lot of levels. They are having injury problems out the wazoo. Yeah, uh, you kind of. I kind of never like to feel see bad. that. You never yeah. want to see guys get hurt. It's bad feel for bad, the game. But yeah, I, I yeah, I, I cringed watching that Tim Tim Anderson injury because he just it just didn't look it, it looked bad. Well, and, you know, we all like to sit here and laugh at Tim Anderson and the errors that yeah. he makes, but the reality is he is one of the better offensive shortstops, and he's uh, fun to watch. Oh, and, he is. He yeah. So, so I just but they're in trouble, Zach. But now. The Twins are kind of coming back down to earth. White Sox are in trouble, and here we are. We got we got ten games with with you know with really easy schedule, and I think the Blue Jays have the have I think the the Tigers have the Blue Jays. No, the Twins have the Blue Jays. The Yankees coming up. They're in trouble too. So this is our shot. If we go around seven and three, we're right. We're, Zach, we're right there, and so. It's it's an exciting. This is our opportunity. Our opportunity to make up ground right now. Well, we're coming into the dog days of summer too. We're coming into where teams start to separate themselves as we get into the summer months of baseball. The dragging the draggers usually start to fall off a little bit, uh, and your contenders will generally hang around pretty close. So we're going to see a lot about what Cleveland's team is and their resolve as young players. 
uh, in the upcoming dog days leading us up to the all-star break. So hopefully lots of really, really good baseball in store, uh, looking for nails to get hot again. I'm sure he'll come around. Uh, COVID unfortunately sometimes kicks people around. And I think that may be the case with him that, uh, he's got some lingering effects from that, but the club will take care of him. And, there's some uh, things, there's some things I want to point out. Usually we, like we're, we're going to do our final points before we wrap up. Uh, Andres Jimenez is rocking a 138 WRC plus 1.5 war and a 359 Wopa. That is incredible. Yep, and Zips has him projected to be a four to five war player for the year. I remember, I remember just like, just, yeah, I love fan graphs. So I'm just like, you know, before the season, their, their content is incredible. And obviously during the year, too. So I'm just like, you know, I was talking to a, a, a buddy of mine and he's like a big, we're, we're, he's a big fantasy, fantasy baseball guy. I am too, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, a roof of my guardians, obviously. And we were reading a column, and the column says Andres Jimenez will be a top twenty overall fantasy fantasy player. I'm just like, what? What the hell? It was like a bold prediction before the season started, and we're just reading it, and it says Andres Jimenez will be a top twenty overall player at, at, in every position. That's what it, like for for the whole at every at every position, not just second base, shortstop. At every position, he will be a top twenty overall player, and that just like kind of blew my mind. And now I'm just looking back like. Holy shit. They, they, they were right. Yeah. They, they really believed in him. Zach, this is incredible, Zach. A, a 138 WRC plus rocking a 359 Woba. And, and he's also, I think, number one qualified uh, defensive uh, defensive second baseman right now. He is. So, and like, I think it's interesting that you mention uh, that WRC plus because in this part of the season, those plus metrics start to become more relevant because the sample size for the league has grown. So you can look at those plus metrics early in the season and say, Oh, he's got a 170 OPS plus. The, you have, you- the, 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 the dude has only played three games. Like <clears throat> those plus metrics are useless without sample size because what they seek to do is they seek to remove ballpark factors so that we can compare players on a season. Obviously, those metrics may be different every year based on league-wide offense, but you know, we're we are coming into the month of June. We've had two solid months of baseball. We're minus a couple games because of rainouts, but our sample size on Jimenez is large enough to suggest that, that WRC plus of 138 is very good and it's not a fluke. Do you have do you have the uh, defensive war? I, I I tried I tried to find it before the show. I just uh, I just know I that think two one six baseball tweeted about it this morning, and I think his D war is at one point seven or something like that. I love those guys. Which I love those very guys. good. Um, yeah, so that is incredible. Wow. I will. So I'll do my closing point. Um, don't give up on Oscar Gonzalez. Uh, he may he may hit a rough streak, but. It is looking like there is going to be a lot of time for him to see a lot of at bats because Fran Mill is still on the DL, and I have a hand I have a hankering that Fran Mill's rehab stint at Columbus is going to be as long as humanly possible that he needs to figure out why in the heck he cannot stop chasing sliders outside of the zone. So, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna um, speak on that as well. You know when he first went on the D. Like, Remember, like, you know, they had a lot of roster moves, and we were thinking, we saw Gonzalez getting called up, and we were thinking, what's going to happen? Is it, are they going to de- send him for a demotion? In, in Terry Francona's comments, they said that 
they got a there was a meeting and and Valeka, the hitting coach, was in the meeting. So whenever somebody gets hurt, there's the hitting coach isn't in the meeting. So that tells you that you know there's there's more stuff going on here than his hamstring. So you know a hamstring is just a way for for them to not send them down. He, he he's probably and he I mean he is hurt, but you could tell they want him to work on other things in terms of pitch selection and and his hitting while he's be, while he's being hurt. And I think despised them enough time to evaluate Gonzalez before they, they and Palacios before they got, you know, so they can make the best decision on these guys. Um, but, you know, as you just said, it's get, it, the more, the longer this injury has gone on, like, I think he's going to be out a lot longer than every, anybody thought. This isn't like, this isn't a 10 day thing, Zach. No, the, it's, you know, it's the real deal. Yeah, it, It's it, I'll, I'll say this. If he was hitting, if he was hitting 260 and and he had like and he had like you know 14 homers 13 homers i don't think he'd be on the injured list that's just my take that's just my personal opinion if what do you think what do you think zach if he was hitting okay do you think he'd be on the il right now franmel yeah if you if everything was fine and and he was the franmel that we knew just you know hitting hitting bombs to all all, all fields and he was hitting around 260 with with four, 15 15 homers if he was hitting like Rodin Alvarez, do you think he'd be on the injured list right now? I think he'd be day to day, but I definitely think that that hamstring was bothering him. We did right. like, it was obviously noticeable that it was bothering him. I think he'd be day to day and he'd probably be only available in like a pinch hit situation for a while. Right. I just think this way they get ahead. They get ahead of the situation. Well, and they, they can don't have put, him do a rehab start too. Yeah, they don't, they don't put him in a, they don't put themselves in a situation where they possibly have to, go through an embarrassment and, de- and demote him and hurt his confidence even more. And then this way he, you know, he'll get healthy and just get his confidence back with, with reps in, in Columbus mm. at AAA. The reality is maybe he just needed a break. Like some yeah, guys, exactly. like, they go through funks. Like it happens. Even the best hitters in baseball go through regressions. We've seen it with straw. We've seen guys get hot again. The season yeah. is long folks. Well, Don't panic. Once, yeah. Once I saw Frank Cohn's comments that Vileko was in the, the Vileko, the hitting co- our hitting coach, was in the meeting about getting a game plan for his timetable. That that's that like an antenna went up on me. Like like you know that's that's eye opening to me. That says that they needed to work on things. Well, you know, there's more going on than his hamstring. That's that's putting it light. That's just where I'm getting at on this. Well, Chuck, thank you as always for talking baseball with me. Uh, we could, <laughs> if I had the time right now, we could do it for hours. Just want to uh, throw in one last thing. It's always fun to talk baseball with Zach. As we know, the as you know, we play the Tigers. Do you know who uh, uh, Castro was traded for? I do. He was. Not. He came up. He came up in our system. So you know, I'm big. I remember all trades that we do, no matter what, never leaves me because it's it just blows my mind. Every team because there's so many prospects and the 40 man rosters and Rule Five. Everybody, tra- everybody, a lot of prospects get traded. He was traded. For Leonis Martin. No way. Isn't yeah. Isn't that cool? It's not looking so good right now. But no, yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it blew, no, when, it, when he, he hit a home run off McKenzie, I, I, I just remember that he was in our system. And I just, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. We gave him up for Le, Leonis Martin. <laughs> That's, you know, well, and, uh, well, Castro looks pretty good right now. He does. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chuck, I will I will let you go, brother. It is 
late on a Thursday night here and I have class in the morning, but thank you for talking ball with me. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Chuck is going to be doing series recaps with me full time. Uh, it's something I asked him to do because the reality is I feel like it's better just to have somebody to talk baseball with because I've learned in my doing a podcast so far that I can sit here and write an outline and read numbers from a screen, but the reality is what makes me passionate about baseball is talking about the game with people that are passionate about the game. The honor is all mine, Zach. It's really a lot of fun. And Guardians fans and Twitter, do you know who led the Major League Baseball, all the Major League Baseball and whip in the month of May? Tristan McKenzie, baby. You're dang right. You're Cy Young candidate. That's right. It's been Uh, a lot of fun, Zach. All right, Chuck. Well, I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, I will let you get out of here because we both have (laughs) full-time lives to go back to tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to doing this on Sunday to wrap up the weekend series. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll see you, Zach. Have a good night, brother. All right. Let's go ahead and jump into monday mailbag and we got a double feature this week we got a bunch of questions from last week we had to answer uh because life gets in the way and i just did not have time to do a podcast last week so I'm not gonna waste any time let's just go ahead and jump into it it's 11 45 at night on a sunday and <laughs> we need to get through this yes um all right so our good friend of the podcast nicole asked us There are some trades that the Twitter community wants made. The most popular ones are super logical and would fix minor issues with the team. However, it appears that the front office does not make logical trades. What is a deep cut trade you can see the front office randomly making? So we already did see a little bit of this uh, in trading for Johan Ramirez from Seattle, but Chuck, I'll let you get started with this one and then I'll get my take. I've been screaming for three months for us to make a move for a high leverage reliever. That's David Bednar, the closer for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that's not, that's, that's, that's a well-known name, I guess. Uh, You want, you want to, I'll go deep. I'll go Alejandro Kirk of the Toronto Blue Jays. They have the number one catching prospect in all baseball and Gabriel Moreno. And he's going to, he's going to be up at some point. So I, I think one of those catchers, Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk are going to get traded. So everyone knows how like the guardians, the blue Jays have been linked for trades for, for years now. And the, and the front offices know each other well. So I, I do think one of those catchers are going to get traded and let's say hypothetically, even if they would acquire a catcher, like if uh, let's, they acquire Alejandro Kirk, that, that, you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that bone is not, in the, not in their plans. So because bone is probably two years away from, from us being a starting catcher. Oh yeah, especially because catchers, you want them to see innings at the competition level to work on their defense. Yeah. Um, so I so like a, that. I like a, Kirk. He's a really a... deep, deep like thought process for me. There's, it's a weird sleeper of mine. Um, he's in the San Diego system. Uh, Corey Corey Howell. Uh, he's a he's like a utility right-handed outfielder. More of a more of like a, a more of like a power power speed guy, more of like a basically he's what Ernie Clement should be, but you know um, that I just really like his I, I just I don't know you, they're they're gonna have to swap some of these prospects because th- there's prospects all over the place in our forty man, 
And Corey Howell is someone that I have my eyes on because I just love his I love his speed and his and his versatility and his power and and his and his right handed bat as well. You know, Ernie, the bothers me about Ernie Clement is he doesn't have any one tool that's that sticks out. It's not like he has this crazy sprint speed. His, his contact is OK, but like it's it's very, very soft contact. It, it, so I think I, I, I don't think Ernie Clement is a long term piece on this roster. So they need to figure out something there, too. So Alejandro, but I do, I do think out of all those, I think Alejandro Kirk is going to, is a very realistic possibility. Really okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll counter that and I'll go a little different. So uh, the Yankees have a pitching prospect by the name of Luis Medina. So you mentioned a high leverage reliever. David Bednar is obviously a prime candidate for that. The pirates are still shaping up to be sellers at the deadline. Um, you know, the Pirates sold Richard Rodriguez to the Braves last year uh, when the Braves were coming into their contention window. He was a big part of their uh, playoff push, and then he was suspended for PEDs for 80 games. Um, so I like Bednar, but I also would target the New York Yankees. Um, and I don't like helping the Yankees. I don't like the thought of trading them good players. I hate the Yankees. We'll move on from that. Luis Medina. He's one of their top pitching prospects. And it's a deep cut because we don't see him get talked about a lot, but you mentioned a high leverage reliever. Well, I think this would be a good trade because Cleveland has something that New York needs. New York currently has an infield by committee problem, much like we have, except theirs is the fact that they have a prospect that had two really good seasons in Glaber Torres, and he has regressed significantly and they are hurting defensively at shortstop. Cleveland has a breadth of middle infielders to pick from. So that would be mine. I think it makes the most sense. It would potentially help us unload some of our uh, too many, too many players with not enough tents problem that we seem to have and talk about all the time. So it, that one's fine. I think it makes the most sense to make a trade in the off season. That way you can evaluate your system with a full year and you can like, you know, like for example, like Nolan Jones and Tyler Freeman, I've been hurt. And so you're not going to like, I just think it's best to like make a trade depending on what your contentious status, what, and what comes up. I just think it's best to make a trade in the off season. So you have a full year of evaluations on all your guys and, and, and the, and the prospects you're going to, and players you're going to target. But uh, there's that, there's so many decisions to be made on the, on all, all over this roster that some of these guys are getting traded, <laughs> you know, Oh, and, yeah. and it comes out of nowhere. Like Jordan Lupo got traded out, out, out of nowhere last year. Well, you that's know? the trade that brought us yeah. Peyton Battenfield. Yeah. Um, uh, so that that's a trade. Well, again, trades are going to be made. Yeah. Regardless of contentious status. Well, and the reality is like for, for like deep cuts, like I don't really know anybody well enough on a team that I could honestly say they'd trade for. Cause Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff constantly just outthink us all. So that's our takes on that. Luis Medina is a good Luis Medina is a good sleeper. He would be monster, monster fastball, curveball coming out of the pen. That would look really nice. Wow. Yes, it would. He would be a nice setup man for Class A. Yeah. All right. So Benny asked us hypothetically, it's July 30th. <laughs> what record must the Guardians have in order to be considered buyers? Uh, who are some targets? And if not, if they're sellers, who could you foresee them shipping off? Um, okay, so this was asked 
before this last week of baseball that we just had. Um, if you've watched the games in the last week, I think it's becoming more and more clear that this team is pretty much a 500, just under 500 baseball team. They have a lot of identity that they're trying to figure out, but let's say they get hot. Let's say they lose four games in the entire month of June and we're in the, all of a sudden we find ourselves in the division race. Oh boy. Okay. So something that this team needs and it has been searching for is it needs a definitive slugger. Um, right. I need right to think on, preferably. Yes. I need to think on this for a second. So Chuck, have at it. A name that sticks out to me is Mitch Hanniger of Seattle. I believe but, he's on an expiring contract. Yeah, so that's my that's the problem. He's on an expiring contract. He'd be a rental. He'd be a rental. But he's the perfect like profile this this, this team needs. Um, right handed out, right like right fielder, left fielder. But uh, let's say if Oscar Gonzalez pans out, which he has so far. Yeah, and let's. Uh, so then, you got right field covered. You, then you, you pretty much have center field covered. There's slots are starting to run out. It's really catcher, which is a disgrace right now. Left field, uh, we hope Quan is going to be okay. Infield needs some figuring out, but we kind of know that that's going to come within the system. So, I got if. It, if let's say if they're out of it, I'm, uh, let's go the other way on this. If they're completely out of it, right? I can see them taking offers on Bieber. I, I really could. Uh, I could see it. Well, especially with all the pitching that's lined up right behind him in the farm, ready to step up. And 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 that's like a monster haul that you can get with two with two and a half years control. I I, I could see it. I, I told you this last week. There is a realistic possibility that Savali, Plesak, and Bieber are not on this are not in this rotation. If come next, I would say by, by next by next trade deadline, I think that's likely. It's a likely scenario that those three are not in the rotation come next year. So I got I could really they shut the, the Guardians do things differently. Like they 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 zig when everyone else zags. They have like a they have their their masters at trade. They know with the within their within their market, they need to trade. It's better to trade earlier than later. So Clevenger got traded with a full with, with a Mike Clevenger was traded the full two and a half years of ser, of, of, of service time of con, team control. If they're out of it, there there are reports that they offered Bieber an extension and he and he rejected. I, I could see it. I, I really could. I really could see it. All right, and I not, like that. It's, it's not that crazy, too. It's 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 not the craziest thing in the world. No, I agree. All right, hang on. I, I'm going to run my daughter upstairs and lay her down real quick, and then I'll answer this when I come back, and then I'll just clean up the editing in my software. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I really like that answer. Um, this question has a lot of depth to it, and we don't have enough time to talk about it. What was the, the, what's the, what's the question? He wants us to think. So, Benny, Benny. Uh, a good friend of mine wants to know what uh, the show want, wants to know what where we think the Guardians will be at the deadline, the record wise. 
So I'll call it. They're probably going to be six to eight games under 500. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. And I think that we will be sellers at the trade deadline. Now I'll answer the first part of this. So in order to be buyers, we need to be above 500 within five games of first place of the division. Um, which means this team needs to figure out its identity pretty quickly. Uh, but I foresee them we're probably going to be six to eight games under 500. Uh, and we are going to be sellers, but we're not going to be sellers in the traditional sense. We're not going to be sellers to rebuild our farm system. Um, if we do trade for prospects, it's probably going to be a lot of very highly valued guys that are, you know, probably in the complex league, uh, maybe low A and high A because we have a talent smorgasbord <laughs> swimming between Akron and Columbus. Um, and we got, so I, and we got, and we don't have a lot of spots to put everybody also. Yep. So we have some guys that are going to be rule five eligible this year if they're not afforded 40 man roster protection. So I think you're going to see a lot of trades to move some guys around. Um, we could potentially be seeing Tyler Freeman come up to Cleveland sometime soon to take a look at what he's got and determine where he fits in the future. Um, you know, we'll see Gabriel Arias more as the season goes on once he's healthy. Uh, I think he's, he's, coming, back, he's, he's, but he's coming back in a month, I think. Should be. He's already out in Arizona doing like, yeah. uh, like loose fielding and stuff like that. So I would, if you're a Cleveland fan and you're listening to this, I would just very quickly come to terms with the reality that this season is going to be rough. You are going to see some guys get traded, probably guys that all of us want to see. But the reality is there's only nine positions on a ball diamond for everybody to play and typically only five to seven bench spots. So it is what it is. I foresee them selling. Uh, You have double a talent. That is your future. That is very good that you need to protect from being taken by other teams. And trust me, if they do not protect these guys in the rule five draft, they will be gone. There is no way that Xavion Curry and Logan Allen both survived the rule five draft. It just doesn't happen. Um, Daniel Espino is not eligible till next year, but he's not tradable. No, he's, he's your future ace. Yeah. So that's where I stand on that. Just brace no. yourself for the ugly. It's going to look ugly. What do you do with Fran Mel Reyes? If Oscar Gonzalez performs, stick then what the there. hell do you, then what the hell do you do? Stick Fran Mel back in the DH spot. And so you would put Oscar and right. Yeah. Yeah. But then I'm happy then, with his defense right now. Oh, because you have Quant down in Columbus mm-hmm. and Palacios and left, or DHing. This is—I mean, Palacios and left would make the most sense. I know we could spend yeah. we could spend hours talking about hypotheticals. Which, as we get closer right. to the trade deadline, we'll do dedicated episodes talking about hypothetical stuff because the season is still young and it'll emerge more yeah. like who's dangling stuff on the trading market. So that's a tough question, Benny. Thankfully, there are people that get paid to make those decisions, and we just get to sit here and speculate for the joy of it. Just a final, just a, just a, in closing, we have th- three games versus Kansas City, three games versus the Baltimore Orioles, a three game versus Texas, and a four game versus Oakland at home. If we don't make up ground in the next two weeks, then the season is going to get really go up in flames okay. really fast. Yeah. Yep. All right, this next one comes to us from Jacob. So the first part of this is, <laughs> is a hot dog a sandwich? I personally don't know what the hell that means. I mean, is, is a hot dog true? a sandwich? 
uh, uh, so is it a trick question or is it just on the surface is a hot it's dog a just something that's been going around Twitter lately people asking if a hot dog is a sandwich so I actually had a chili dog last night for dinner uh, I I would say it qualifies as a sandwich all right I'll agree with that so the next part of this question is where and when is Oscar Gonzalez so this question was asked before Gonzalez's contract was selected um, so I'll answer this both ways. So if I had answered this question on the podcast before Gonzalez was selected to Cleveland, I don't think any, I don't think anybody had him in Cleveland. I right did. Now. I did. Really? I've been screaming for two months. No, no, you were screaming for, it, but you didn't think they were going to pull the trigger on it. <sighs> yes, because the hesitation with the roster stuff kind of threw all of us off, but you know, much to our surprise, even though we all were screaming for it, you know, they did DFA Chang to make room for him. Um, I think I thought it was possible that we may not see Gonzalez until closer to the trade deadline. If some guys were moved to make room for him, um, you know, I foresaw them DFAing Chang and, you know, picking up somebody else, but you know, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Gonzalez has been in Cleveland for the entire Detroit series and he's been awesome. He has the hardest hit ball out of the entire team this year. His profile is really like, obviously it's, a lot of prospect evaluators on high aren't high on him, but his profile is really what they need. A right-handed slugger. Uh, he, like he is hard really, and he hits the ball hard. Like he is death. Like if, so if he pans out somehow, th- th- that'll be huge for the team. Huge. Here's the thing though. He could potentially be expendable with evaluating him at the major league level. If he does well, you know, again, <laughs> too many, too many players, not enough tents. You know, it could oh, be oh, that I agree. You could, it could you be could, that you some could team say, comes after him that wants a a slugging fielder with decent defense and a good arm. And you could say the same thing about Richie Plasdos. He's batting three hundred right now. Uh, you know, it, yeah. So well, and, the thing is, all these guys are young and they have tons yeah. of team control left. All of them are arbitration eligible for all three years of their contract. And I'll wrap this one, this part of this question up with this: You guys should appreciate Oscar Gonzalez because going into the offseason last year, he was an unrestricted minor league free agent. He had never been selected to the bigs by a major league team, which means his arbitration had not kicked in yet. And he chose to come back and play in Columbus, knowing that he would probably not get a 40 man roster spot. Okay. He struggled really bad with strikeouts last year. His walk rate has never been impressive, but he has really put in the work in the off season. He's cleaned up his strikeout rate. He's refined his swing mechanics, you know, in the, broadcast of today's game they were talking about his swing is so fast for a guy who's so tall but that's the way it has to be for as tall as he is he's got to get his hands down fast and he's done that so i look forward to seeing more of him i want to see him stay uh however i'm fully prepared for the fact that this could be one of those situations where they are evaluating him to shop him later this year it's probably i could see that absolutely as much as it stinks because I've been following him all year. And I remember ask, I remember sending out tweets like two, like two years ago. Why isn't Oscar Gonzalez? Like, cause all he did was just hit home runs. Mm-hmm. Why, why the hell is an Oscar Gonzalez in the top 30 pros top 30? Like, like okay. Throw he, in he was striking out 30 plus percent of the time. Yeah, I know, but he, not, there's not one website that had him in the top 30. So, I so I remember just like literally like last year sending like Bernie Plutkoff and and uh, Justin Latta why is an Oscar against 
Dawson the top thirty, and and they gave like they gave good answers. I'm just I've been screen. I've been he's he's kind of like a real like mysterious like. There's cases. It's really exciting to watch him play now because when he wouldn't hear about him so much. Yep. So it could unfortunately be one of those situations. Enjoy him while we have him, but fortunately, there's a long time left for that. And then the last part of this question is: Is Austin Hedges the hottest guy on the team? I'll let you take that first, Zach. <laughs> I don't know. Hedges kind of cute. Uh, you know, he's he's got that flow. He's got the hair flow. He's got that. He's got that real rugged uh, facial hair. Uh, but if it comes down, if it's for me, like the only, like the cutest person on the team is definitely Jose. Like, I'm sorry. Jose has my heart. He is beauty. He is grace. Uh, but Hedgie's definitely in the running for second. So my wife <laughs> thinks <laughs> she watches every pitch, every pitch of every game. That's a night game usually together. And she, she, everyone loves Jose because he's like, you know, he's just he's just a legend. He, he's he's just the king of kings. Confident he's, swagger. Yeah, he's Jose. But are we, but from my wife's perspective, she 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 thinks Eli Morgan is really is, is a cute is a cute dude. It, it, that's yeah. She loves she loves. What him. is it she that Alex from Two One Six always says? Eli date my daughter more Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When he was dealing on uh on Thursday, I saw this, I saw that popping up on my feed. It was great. Yeah, she, real quick, she loves if you Eli guys Morgan. don't follow them, I'll plug them. Two one six baseball pod. Uh, great, Alex and great Paul podcast. They are doing, phenomenal. Doing great stuff. Uh, they have their own unique take on things. You guys should definitely check them out. They're fantastic. Uh, I draw a lot of inspiration from them. So definitely They're check great. them out. Yes. Oh, and uh, she and and Shane Bieber. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Moving on from that one. <laughs> uh, let's see. Nicole sent us another one. I think she. I think this one came today because I answered hers from last week first. Who would you rather have in the bullpen, Brian? Oh, this one's a tough one. Brian Shaw or James Karinchak? Who we ha- we haven't seen Karinchak at all this year. He was just transferred to the sixty-day injured list uh, and is currently rehabbing his way through an injury and. She said, and no longer has use of spider tack. So for context, for those of you who not exactly have been paying attention, last year when Major League Baseball issued the memorandum banning the use of any substance to increase grip on the ball among pitchers, Karen Chak is one of those pitchers who struggled most. He went from being your definite eighth inning setup guy to getting banged around pretty bad. Um, the regression, it wasn't steady. It wasn't small in its percentage it he was fell off a cliff the, it was the difference of night and day no. um and i think his injury came from him trying to compensate not having that substance whatever he was using to get a grip on the ball and that's not bad on karen Chak. you know if you followed that situation guys have been doing that for years and there's a lot of ambiguity around that um there are a lot of guys that suffered injuries compensating for that you know maybe we're seeing that a little bit with bieber um Oh man, this is a tough one. I don't like Karen Chak. Uh, I have issues with his character. I think he's a dirtbag. Um, but I'm going to try not to let that influence my answer of the question. Uh, it's a 50 50 split because we haven't seen who Karen Chak is when he's healthy. So without like post spider tack to look at his mechanics. But man, Shaw has been a dud that 
I'll take Karen check. Shaw's been a dud. I've seen it's not, it's not easy for me. I have my issues with Karen check uh, uh, as character um, for a lot of reasons, but on the field, he's fun to watch. He's a gamer. Like, like he's, yeah, he like, wants to win you know, the strikeouts and running off, running off the field and the slapping hands in the dugout. He, he was, he was fun to watch. Um, so I'll take Karen check any day or any night. I today I'm so angry. I I'm I'm just I I'm I'm so sick of Brian Shaw. It, <laughs> it just watching him just jog on the field today made me more angry about the fact they were knowing we were going to lose. Brian Shaw could collect the entire remaining amount of the three million dollars that Cleveland owes him from his couch this season, and I don't think I'd care. I I I said uh I sent the tweet out. I think it was like like last week, and I was like. Sam Hedges deserves high leverage usage, but for Brian Shaw, any day or night, and somebody just responds, "You deserve high leverage innings over Brian Shaw any day or night." It was just a really funny, uh, funny comeback. All right, Eddie, we got we got one yeah. more if you if you're ready for it. I'm always ready. All right, so Christian, uh, Christian, if you listen to this and I bought your name, I'm sorry, bro. Um, Christian Raul. Report, yeah, asked this on Twitter. He asked, what would it take for this team to get back to 2016-2017 form? So I sat on this one for a little bit, and I had to go back and think to myself what made those teams so good. Um, And the reality was the team was confident in its identity. So I'm not going to go into the whole speculation of, you know, what individual pieces they need. I think it's that they had a sure identity at the time. They knew what they were coming into the season and the team established itself as being competitive minus a few pieces. Uh, obviously they were able to go out and trade for one of the big pieces that they were missing. The Yankees happened to be sellers that year or in that window, we were able to very gently pluck Andrew Miller away from them uh, because we needed that dominant setup man that lights out lefty with that nasty slider um but i think the thing that made that team so good is it was a good mix of veteran talent yeah. and a lot of young guys so you had so, veterans like rajay davis mike napoli yeah. uh but you had a lot of young guys on that team too yeah yeah so this we're, are we talking about the world series team or we're talking about the 2017 Both. uh 2020 oh, yeah so um that they had experience. This team has no. This team has no experience. Zach. Jose Ramirez, Brian Shaw, are they're your two most veteran players. That that's that's mind blowing. So we have literally no experience for one. Um, that we had. They had an identity. Lindor was ju- just like hitting the scene as a as an all pro player. 2016 Lindor, there was nothing like it. Yeah, so we don't we don't have that. Oh, we literally have Ho- Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor versus right-handed pitching. That's literally our lineup right now. So it it's gonna take time. That's what this year really is for is to is to identify who is in for the for the contention window because at at some point next year we're going to have like we're going to start forming an identity of who's going to be 
who's going to be a cornerstone to this franchise in the next six to eight years of contention. Because yep. they, they extended Jose Ramirez. That's done. That, that's done. Don't forget, extended, we locked up strong Class A, they, too. So they, yeah, so they extended Class A and they extended Straw. So that shows you that they're, they're, they're starting sl- slowly to, to turn the wheels on this thing. It's just going to take – they need – they know they need, a, they need a year to evaluate up and down, up and down the organization. So they, it's going to take us time to develop an identity. The rotation needs to. We need to figure out what the hell's going on with Savali and Plesac, and and we just need. It's just. It's going to take time. It takes. So take, I agree with that. Yeah, um, it's going to take time. Just time. Time and reps and development. Yep, I I agree. So my my thoughts on this are, you know, to all of you that listen out there and participate in Guardians Twitter, you are the blessed few. Um, but I would encourage you all to just pump your brakes, slow down. Teams don't make trades that win them World Series in May. Teams eliminate salary problems in May or get rid of players that they know are not part of their team's future. Okay, we've we've said it. We've screamed it until we're blue in the face. Um, the reality is there's a lot that we still don't know. Okay, we don't know who Gabriel Arias is. We don't know who Tyler Freeman is. We don't know what a pitching what? rotation with Logan yeah. Allen and Xavier Curry in it looks like, or Peyton Battenfield. You know, it's a really underrated part of the system that, like, it's just going so under the radar right now. Nolan Jones, he was well, the number one. He was the number one prospect and a top fifty prospect for of all baseball, and he was our number one prospect for almost three well, years. Remember, he's coming off that injury. He so, only just started throwing out to one hundred and sixty feet about a month ago. So it's just that's a that's a massive that's a big you gotta you gotta get answers on him, you know. So uh, there's this is the year where you need to get answers as much as answers as you can. And I'll say this: unlike last year and years prior, where we needed answers. We would throw out the Delano De Shields of the world and the Domingo Santanas of the world. We're actually at least give them credit. They're actually trying to find out some answers. They DFA'd Yu Chang. They called up Oscar Gonzalez. They called up Richie Palacios. They're starting to like to actually get a look at the at young at the younger talent that they had. So you got to give them that. It's not like it was in the last two years where we're throwing out Bradley Zimmer, knowing that knowing what he is, and you know they DFA'd Zimmer. You know, it's they're finally doing they're finally doing the process of actually giving the reps to the young players. It would drive me nuts seeing Delano DeShields mm-hmm. like starting center field half the season in 2020, or and, you know, and just and like just not develop young talent when you need answers on them. Daniel yep. Johnson. Daniel Johnson, for example, yeah, he, he struggled in the minors, and he, you know, he had some contact issues. I just never thought he had like that fair shot in the outfield. Like, I just, I just thought like he should have got way more at bats than he, than he, than he did. He just didn't get enough bats in my at bats. Now, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to be a good player. I just thought that he didn't get enough at bats, and like we just gave our at bats to Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado, you know. Well, and in all could... of my interactions with Daniel Johnson on social media, super cool dude, appreciated the fans, you know, nothing but best wishes for him and the Mets. It's just, you're right. He didn't, I just he didn't fit he that team a... vision. He, he's, we know what he is. I just thought he never got an, like enough at bats. 
Like I thought he did, he deserved more at bats than Bradley Zimmerman or not than Oscar Mercado last year. That's just let's just put it that way. I agree, but hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So lots of lots that we can speculate on, uh, but the reality is, you know, I I can't tell you what pieces the team needs yet, you know. And I'm just some guy sitting behind the microphone, you know. I don't get paid to do this. My fandom is free, which I'm sure the Dolans would appreciate. But I have watched this team my entire life. You know, I'm 29 years old. I grew up through the Tomy era. I watched Grady Sizemore be traded and come up through Cleveland's farm system and be on ESPN at Double A, which was unheard of at the time. Um, Victor Martinez. So I've watched a lot of baseball. Probably no better game than I know. Then, Chuck, I know for a fact that you're the same way. There's no better game that you and I both know than the game of baseball. Um. And even I'm sitting here scratching my head, you know, this just, there's so many young guys and it's like, you can't, a lot of these guys don't even have 200 at bats for the season yet. You know, you can't evaluate a guy on anything realistically less than 400. You know, so that's why that, I'll get you about uh, six. If I, if I see a med Rosario at shortstop another five or 10 times, I may just pull my hair out. I just, it's, it's, it's crazy. That's why it just drives me. You know, it's a huge, a huge deal is figuring out the infield. I I, I don't think Owen Miller is just going to be planted at second base the rest of his career. I think there's a shot you could see him move around to the outfield because Gabriel Arias was revered. Like, they love Gabriel Arias. Tito's and, and Chris Antonetti and Andre not reported that they that they were ready to call him up like then because they were really high on him. And then he so, broke his and wrist. Then, yeah, and then they really, really like Gabriel Arias. So – it makes you wonder too, where does Tyler Freeman fit into all yeah, that? Because if Tyler Jimenez Freeman is your fit, future shortstop is, when Rosario is gone. So, but is, is Arias the shortstop and Menace is at second or is it a lefty righty situation? Like you, we don't know. There's so many questions. And then how does, and then if it is Arias where, and, uh, and Jimenez, where does Brian Rocchio fit into this thing? Cause he's on, he's on the 40 man roster too. It's, yep. it's just, it's just insane. But well, don't yeah. forget Valera is probably we probably see him next year too. And yeah. he's a corner yeah. outfielder. So yeah, again, I would what say we talked the, the about biggest need, lots of people the, are going to be moving. The biggest need is my opinion, a, a consistent right-handed hitter, a power yep. hitter, preferably outfielder, preferably. Yeah. Yeah. Because if Gonzalez pans out and Valera comes up, you know, you've got two lefties in the outfield or yeah. no guns. Gonzo's a righty. Guns are righty. Yeah, guns is righty. I think out of everybody, and the biggest development of this year for me has been Josh Naylor. He just looks like a professional hitter. He, he and to, that's, to me. that's an incredible testament to his character, too, because yeah. I talked about it in a previous episode. The Athletic had an article on his recovery that is really good that showcases just how passionate of a person he is. Because, folks, if you don't know, like there are not a lot of baseball players that recover from that injury and are able to strengthen that muscle and that bone that he broke strong enough to be able to play the game of baseball again. Like there's a reason we've only seen Naylor in the outfield, maybe two games this year is because you you see it too. You could see the way he runs the bases and he's not like he's, he, he can't go full force on the base pads. You can see him. Not quite yet. You can see it. It's he wants to there. Yeah. So, but he's but an incredible an dude and that's, he's the guy an you answer, want on your Zach. team. But that's significant, Zach. That's a future first baseman for, for the next a long time. For, yeah. Yep. And we still got to see what Tyler Freeman has. I don't, 
<laughs> I could just talk about it till I'm blue in the face. So Chuck, I want to get your closing thoughts on everything. Is anything you want to sum up that we may have missed or just get your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts. Uh, again, I mentioned it earlier. This, if you want to have any, any shot of contention this year, this is your, ch- this is our chance to do it. Three games versus the Royals, three games versus the Orioles, three games versus the Rangers, four games versus Oakland. This is their chance to make it. If you're not, if we're not above five, one or two games above 500 after, after that stretch, then just, then kiss, then the playoffs are over. Just, just the season's in the tank. And then, 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 that's when you know we're not going to have any chance of contention. So this is a massive, huge, important like uh, opportunity for this team. And Zach Plesac needs he needs to get it together. Savali is actually going on a rehab start, so it looks like he's going to be back in the rotation after when his when his ten days are up. But you can't throw away games when Bieber and McKenzie throwing a throwing a gem. I don't care how young you are. That's just that's my takeaway out of this. I agree. So I'll, I'll sum up with that. Um, you know, I wasn't always the biggest fan of Plesak. He did okay last year, but I think we're trying I think we're starting to see like who he is. Um, and this goes back to got to trust the coaches, Carl Willis. There's a reason they brought him back. He's obviously a very good pitching coach. They will figure out what is going on with him. The question is, that we don't have the answer to is how patient is the team willing to be with him? Okay. He has some minor league options left. Um, I don't know. The problem is if you send him down to Columbus, you're now taking innings away from guys that need innings at the AAA level to develop versus whereas you're sending somebody with major league experience down to retool themselves. You know, you try to fix that where you are as best as you can, because you could potentially see worse competition and you get a good feeling for your stuff. And then you come back up and get banged around. That's why Fran mill hasn't been optioned yet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Orioles series preview. And uh, I have a special guest with me today to help me preview this series. Uh, A good Twitter counterpart of mine that I've had some good interaction with a very good man, big fan of the Orioles, big baseball nut. Christian Rao, welcome to the podcast, sir. How are you? Hey, thank you very much for the introduction. I'm really happy to be on. I'm excited. We've uh, been going back and forth on Twitter for quite some time, trying to get um, some kind of conversation going. So I'm glad we finally got the time to do it, just in time for the Guardians and the Overs to play a series over the weekend. Right on. So Cleveland going to be traveling to Camden Yards for three games. Uh, so Let's just go ahead and uh, get into it and talk some baseball. So obviously right now, uh, you know, from Cleveland's perspective, right now the team is in a bit of a rebuilding phase. Um, A lot of us Guardians fans know that, but one thing that we don't get as Guardians fans a lot is perspective from other teams' fans and how they feel their team is doing. So tell me what's going on in the O's season this year. Well, the Baltimore Orioles are – you know, it, way more in a rebuild than the Guardians are. The Guardians at least try to stay competitive at some point, at least in my mind as an outsider looking in. Um, and I've definitely followed the, the, the Cleveland way more than 
I have in the past. Um, that is due to social media yourself and a couple other great Cleveland um, socials I've really uh, got to got to get along with this season. But with the Baltimore Orioles this season, um, in the middle of their rebuild this year, as I would I like to call it the beginning of phase one uh, with the addition of bringing up top prospects like Adley Rutschman um, and and hopefully more in the future. I'm sure we'll talk about um, some woes that just happened here soon. Um, but the the team is not obviously in any kind of competition, especially in a, one of the arguably toughest divisions in all of baseball, the AL East. But the Baltimore Orioles are, in my mind, impressing in certain aspects. I think that they they look way better than they did in 2021. They're about a 12 game swing better than last season as, as they were with as many games they played last year, which is fantastic. If they can keep that up and find a way to stay 12 games above uh, their win total from last year, that is a great success. Still with a, a couple of restrictor plates on their prospects from general manager, Mike Elias, who is putting inning limits on their pitchers. And I'm sure that you'll see a lot of off days from some of the top prospects like Rutschman, which we did see yesterday when he played or didn't play against the Mariners. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited for what the Orioles have done this season. I think that there's a lot of great things to be excited about. Uh, we won't be seeing them playing baseball in October, but I don't think it's too far away. So I definitely think the Orioles like watching from a glance. So I very much like you follow baseball as a whole and I have my teams. Um, I don't think that the Orioles are as bad as their records suggest. Um, they play in a fierce division, um, I can't really speak for the Red Sox right now because the Red Sox have been kind of down. But when you play in a division where your divisional opponents are the Yankees, who are usually pretty consistently good, uh, the Blue Jays, who are coming into their element now, and the Red Sox, who are very much capable right now of being a very good baseball team, you've got a pretty tough uh, divisional schedule. And uh, <laughs> I don't envy you guys as fans having to go play those teams. New York is a monster right now. And and, but I'm happy for Blue Jays fans. They've been bad for long enough, but what a, what a tough division to play in. So it, it's a very tough division without question. And don't sleep on Tampa Bay. That's something that um, I've absolutely. learned year over year. And I think that other people outside the division are starting to learn, but it's happening again. You're, you're hearing about the New York Yankees. You're hearing about the Toronto Blue Jays. No one's really talking about the Tampa Bay Rays. This is exactly what they want. So don't sleep on them. They're going to sneak up on you. Alrighty, so I'll just give some brief, I'll give a brief overview of the Orioles real quick. As a team, they are batting 234 on base at 302, uh, slugging 368 for, and that is good for a team OPS of 670. They have struck out 466 times as a team. And on the pitching scale, let me scroll down here, they have a team ERA of 4.07. Uh, a team whip of 1.32 and a batting average against of 259. So, you know, batting average against not terrible, but so let's go ahead and jump into a series preview. So currently as it stands right now, uh, Friday's game is projected to be Shane Bieber versus Bruce Zimmerman. So you guys have heard me talk about Bieber all the time. So let's let Christian talk about Bruce Zimmerman. Bruce, what can we see? For, uh, Christian, what can we see from Bruce in this game? Yeah, Bruce Zimmerman um, has the ceiling to be an ace. And I believe not just an ace in the Baltimore organization, but he could be an ace in other organizations. That's where his ceiling is. But he also does have a floor right now that could be 
Um, I think the, the best way to say this lightly would be a wild card. And we've seen that in, in strays this year, as well as we've seen his ace. When John Means went down with um, his, his injury with his forearm tightness that caused him to have Tommy John surgery and to be out until 2023, Zimmerman was kind of that next replacement to take over as the ace. We have seen some really good play from Zimmerman, but the last few starts have been kind of shaky. So hopefully we see an ace versus an ace on Friday night. Hopefully that's the case. I would love to see a a very good pitching matchup, but there are opportunities where Zimmerman has been. Um, There are some holes in his game still. He's still very young. I believe that he is still in the rotation of the future for this team. I don't see him as someone who is just a stopgap right now. He is definitely someone who they really think they can build and, and continue on. I am a big Zimmerman fan. I think he has a lot of potential, but he's still a little raw in my mind. Again, though, has the opportunity to be an ace. So could see a very good outing by him on Friday. Awesome. Well, I'm a sucker for pitchers matchups and Bieber, and it sounds like Zimmerman are both very capable. So Zimmerman's pitching profile, he features a four-seamer, a changeup, a slider primarily. He does mix in a curveball and the occasional sinker. Currently this year, and your standard metrics, he's 2-3 and three with a 4.53 ERA. He has started 10 games. He's pitched 51.2 innings. Um, it does look like he's been banged around a bit, um, but you can't exactly judge a pitcher on that when you play in a division with the New York Yankees, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, on the Cleveland side of the ball, we will be seeing Shane Bieber again. Uh, so Bieber, obviously very well known to all of us Cleveland fans. Uh, he is our ace, uh, but there's been a lot of question around Bieber this year. A lot of us geeks that like to sit on baseball savant and watch things that are important like velocity beaver's velocity is not what it has been in the past um whether that be he's changed his mechanics to compensate for his shoulder injury uh maybe he was a little bit impacted by major league baseball's ban on foreign substances but nevertheless despite the velocity drop uh beaver has been very good all year his only rough start coming against the toronto blue jays in which he lasted three innings and gave up a plethora of runs currently so far this year he's two and three a 3.19 era he started nine games He's pitched 53.2 innings. He has given up 51 hits, struck out 51, and walked 14. As for his pitch profile, he features a slider, four-seam curveball, changeup, and the very occasional cutter. So Bieber's a very three-heavy pitch uh, pitcher. So going to see lots of sliders, uh, good mix of fastball, curveballs. So uh, very much looking forward to it. I don't know if you get to watch Bieber very much or if you've seen him play very much. Every time I get the opportunity to watch Shane Bieber. I, I find time. I, I I'm a really big fan of Shane Bieber ever since he had that sneaky, you know, on his way to an all-star run. He kind of had it around the same time as John means. Um, so that was fun to watch both those guys make the American league all-star game. And I'm a sucker for American league teams uh, for obvious reasons, living on the East coast and uh, just watching really fun American league East. And I think the American league central is one of the most underrated um, divisions in all of baseball, a little disappointed by some of the teams at the bottom this year, thought they're going to do better, but I'm sure you don't mind about that. With uh, teams like Detroit. Well, we stuff. just, we just whooped on Kansas city for <laughs> right. a three game series. Exactly. But I do love Shane Bieber. I think that I hope, hopefully the, the change of the foreign substance, um, it's hard to say that there could have been any, assumption that he used it with a lot of the aces too. I know there was a big conversation about Garrett Cole, the Yankees with that too. So there's a really big conversation that I'm sure that we won't be able to 
really put into full effect and have a full conversation about till the season's over. Yeah. Baseball savant's fun, but we're still sitting at a, a very super small sample size in my mind. Oh yeah. But I am, I'm really happy with what Shane Bieber has done in his entire career and hopefully they can stick him around and it'd be nice to see. I'm sure that I'm sure I'm just making all your Cleveland fans happy right now, but I'd love to see him get a Jose Ramirez friendly Cleveland contract. Uh, you want to, do you want an honest hot take from somebody that's been following the farm system for a couple would, of years? I'd love it. I think Bieber's traded at the deadline. Oh, okay. That's there a great is, hot take. There is, there is pitching at the double a and triple a level that is burning down the barn door uh, to get to the majors. And so um, Cleveland has a couple of very, ace slash number two uh, capable pitchers at its double A level right now, mainly the names of Daniel Espino, who's a first round pick, uh, Xavion Curry, Hunter Gaddis, and Gavin Williams, who started the year at high A. Uh, he's still a ways out, but uh, Peyton Battenfield, also at triple A Columbus, is having a very good year too. So if if the club believes, I, I think if the club believes that Espino and like guys like Xavion Curry can finish the year, at triple a maybe come up in september and get a couple major league starts or do some bullpen work and then start next season early at triple a and then be called up i think you could possibly see beaver dealt maybe not this year it could be next year uh, well i would sell him as a rental at the trade deadline to somebody that he can go into deep into a playoff run with and i feel like rentals this year will be at a premium and the way that i th- the way that i think that and i've said this a few times over on the route report is because of the fact we had the shortened 2020 season, there wasn't that many trades because some, some teams didn't take it as a serious year or they knew that, okay, this playoff scenario is weird. We don't want to put all our apples in one basket. Got you. And then 2021 trade deadline was a little shaky in my mind because of the, the off year for most of the miners. So there wasn't as much scouting as you would hope for trades. Um, so they didn't want to put as much of hope in maybe a prospect or two. This year, that all changes in my mind. And I think that this trade deadline is going to be wild. I really do. I think this is going to be one of the craziest trade deadlines we have in a few years. I agree. It'll be interesting to see uh, how the playoff picture is shaping out after the all-star break coming into the trade deadline. And, you know, maybe Cleveland won't sell. You know, maybe they'll be content to ride out with what they have and maybe they'll shift next year. But uh, there will definitely be some shuffling going on because uh, there are a lot of guys that the club values very highly that need 40-man roster protection Mm -hmm. to protect them from the Rule 5 draft because we didn't have a Rule 5 draft last year (laughs) Uh, canceled because of the lockout. So let's go ahead and move into game two. Uh, Tell me about Tyler Wells. Well, that's funny. You talk about Rule 5. He is a reason why he's still on the squad. Um, he probably would have been somewhere else in the rule five draft. We were saved here. He was at one point, a reliever turned starter, and he's been quite well so far. His ERA is not as impressive as I feel like he's been playing. He has, um, at least from a few weeks ago, statistically, I haven't, I haven't seen it in the last few weeks, but he was number one in the entire league in slider command. And he has one of the best sliders in all of baseball, So you'll see that a lot and it'll be cool to watch him play against the tree, the twig, whatever you want to call him, Tristan McKenzie. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. I said, you need to put a little meat on his bones, but he's doing fantastic. Um, His career has been really fun to watch um, for sure. But Tyler Wells. Yeah. I'm a really big um, I'm hopeful of him as well. I think that again, these pitchers, these two that you're going to see on Friday and Saturday are not any stopgap positions. 
Um, Wells, I think, can easily be a fringe starter if with their plans of um, what they have in the in the system with you know the Baltimore organization. I think Wells can easily sneak into that five, if not be a fringe or be a long reliever. But so far this season. He's done exactly what he needed to do. Keep the Baltimore Orioles in good games. Again, his ERA is just, it's higher than I think his performance has been. Well, I'm super excited. Uh, I like pitchers that throw good sliders. I think it'll be really challenging for Cleveland's young hitters because a lot of their lack of plate discipline comes specifically in the form of against right-handed hitters with sliders breaking away. And I'm sitting here looking at the StatCast hot chart for Tyler Wells. And guess where he puts his slider? Down, away, and out of the zone to right-handers. This is exactly what you want to see in righty versus righty matchups. And it's a nasty pitch to have break in on left-handers, tie up their hands. He does feature a four-seam fastball, a changeup. He does throw a curveball a little bit. And you see the occasional sinker every now and then. On the season... He is two and four with a three seven one ERA. He's across forty three point two innings. Uh, pretty impressive here. He has struck out twenty eight and only walked seven. So uh, pretty good at limiting the free pass. You always love to see that. Yeah, his command is very impressive for where he's at, and I think that comes with him being a reliever turned starter, um, knowing that he was working with a smaller inning amount, and you know want to make sure that his pitches were efficient. Moving into that starter row when he got stretched out, he carried that with him. So um, that is something that he has more than anything. His fastball is pretty suspect. I will say that, though. Um, I don't know what his batting average is for against the fastball, but that is definitely his weakest pitch. Same with Zimmerman. Well, but, you know, if if you can get good command on the fastball and your slider is working for you, I've seen that guys that can throw that combination generally can survive pretty well. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to see uh, what Tyler Wells brings against us. You guys are going to be seeing Tristan McKenzie. Um, I would actually argue that Tristan McKenzie has uh, more played up to like the ace mentality for us this year. Uh, he didn't really start coming around until probably about August of last year. He uh, worked on some mechanical changes that really came around for him. So McKenzie only throws three pitches. He throws a four-seamer, a curveball, and a slider. Uh, the thing that makes McKenzie so good this year is he has been able to locate his fastball very well inside the strike zone. He's had excellent command. He's got decent velocity, uh, his curveball, uh, real nasty bite to it. And he's got a slider. That's got that nice tight break to it. He's currently sporting a 2.65 ERA and he has struck out 45 and walked 13. Uh, that's good for a whip of 0.86. So, uh, lots of high strikeout, low walk, uh, potential for this game. So hitters are going to have to be patient at the plate to get it done. And I think that is going to be very interesting because the Orioles do have some very good, very patient hitters, uh, which we'll talk about after we finish up the series pitching preview. Um, Christian, I don't know if you've gotten to watch McKenzie much or not. Yeah. I've seen sometimes with McKenzie, I've, I've been very fortunate to watch some Cleveland games. Um, honestly, when I turn on MLB TV, if the Orioles, aren't playing at the same time as the guardians i have tried to tune into them a lot because they are exciting obviously the whole stephen kwan thing in april was great i know he's having That's a rough nuts. time right now so much fun and then jose ramirez has just been off the wall um and then i've really liked what owen miller has done i think owen miller's been really fun i'm sure we'll talk about that in just a moment but um yeah i've really liked just mckenzie and then how great is that what he's 24 25 years old that 
Um, he's showing ace potential, especially if your hot take takes, you know, precedence and Bieber may be out the window for um, a trade here, August 2nd or before. Well, at least you're in good hands. One thing that I have seen year after year looking into the Cleveland organization is, is that this organization knows how to build up pitchers. And we're seeing them all across the league with Kluber and Bauer at one point and Clevenger. Um, it's just, it, there's no surprise that these, this organization knows how to pick up pitchers. And we're seeing that yet again. Yeah, they do. And we, like I said, that goes back to what I said about, you know, you got prospects in the farm that are burning down the barn door. Uh, the club just knows what it's doing with pitchers. And uh, we've been spoiled for a really long time with that. I hope that that continues. Um, but I'm very much enjoying the season that Tristan McKenzie is having. And, you know, they call him sticks. He's six, four, six, five, one sixty five, and he's only 24. Uh, so he's got a very bright major league future ahead of him. We'll go ahead and jump into the pitching, uh, preview for game three. So I will go ahead and start with Zach Plesak. Uh, and oh boy, we have, we've talked a lot in our <laughs> circles about Zach Plesak this year. Uh, I try not to rag on the dude too hard. Uh, he's incredibly passionate. Uh, he loves the game, uh, but, but he is struggling something fierce this year. Um, somebody noticed it. I can't remember who it was, but I think it started going around last week in his last start. Uh, he is giving up a batting average against with runners in scoring position of 435. Wow. That is that is incredible. And if you watch him pitch and you watch him pitch without runners on base, when he's out of the windup, he's fine. The moment you put runners on base, his command goes out the window entirely. I don't know if he tweaked something in the off season, if he changes mechanics, if he's worrying about runners, but uh, he's a completely different pitcher with runners on base. And I do not mean that in the best way. Uh, Police act this year. He is one and four, and every bit of that is on the way that he has pitched. Um, management hasn't helped him out, really. He's been left out there to die on the hill a couple times, uh, maybe in situations that could have been salvaged by going to the bullpen. But he has a 4.93 ERA. Across 49.1 innings, he has given up 54 hits, 31 runs, 27 of them earned, and he has given up eight home runs. All of those are in the top 20th percentile for a stat cast. Um, but he hasn't walked a lot of guys. He's only walked 13 and he struck out 33. So uh, that just goes to show he is getting banged around. He features a four seam slider, changeup, curveball, and sinker. Uh, you mentioned the name Zach Plezak on Guardians Twitter. You're going to get punted into the cosmos <laughs> right now. So I have seen. So I've seen. I think it's with him and Ahmed Rosario. I think those are the two. Yeah, that you wanna... and, well, in a, people want Ahmed gone because he's taking up a 40 man roster spot when there's other people that can play his position. But, um, I mean, please, that makes you scratch your head every now and then he'll, he'll pull out a wild one. Actually, he pulled out a wild one in his last start. He just got a quality start in his last game. Um, but man, when he's bad, he is, he is off. Uh, he misses with his slider in the zone. He hangs his curveball. Uh, he leaves his fastball elevated, just not what you want to see. And I wonder, I'm starting to wonder, you know, how much time does he have left for the club to look at him in a starter role when there are other guys that are capable? You know, we've seen Connor Pilkington, who just had a fantastic start versus the Royals. You know, Pilkington's obviously up because Savali's on the injured list, but, you know, what does that look like? Does Plesak go to the bullpen? I don't know. I don't make those decisions, but um, 
Uh, if, if you can bang around Zach Plesak in this game, man, it's <laughs> it may be a slugfest. <laughs> so let me see. So tell me what we can see. Actually, I do not have a projected starter for yeah. Baltimore actually, in this Yeah, week. actually, no one does at this moment. It is to be determined for Sunday, and that's all due to the fact um, that at the beginning of this week, the Orioles played a five-game stretch against the Boston Red Sox with a doubleheader involved. So there was some, um, a lot of pitching movement up and down between AAA Norfolk and you know the Orioles system. Right now, um, yesterday they did recall Denny Reyes um, from the Tides, who did make a start a few weeks ago. So if I had to make an assumption, I would say that uh, Reyes takes the start on Sunday. Um, just to keep everybody else in their rotation, such as Jordan Lyles and and company for the um, right side of the series. So I think Reyes might be the guy because he is sitting in Baltimore. He is on the in the rotation right now, and we haven't seen him in the bullpen um, play at all since he's been called back up. He's a right-handed pitcher. He has some great some he has some great work in Norfolk. When he came up for a start, wasn't too bad. It was uh, his first. Um, his MLB debut looked pretty good. Um, I think he went about three and two thirds innings, which is quite normal for Baltimore because Michael Elias is one of those guys, the generate manager for the or for the Baltimore Orioles. He is someone who has a game plan. And right now, because he knows that this team is not competitive, he does not care. He sticks to that game plan. This is why uh, it took so long to see Adley Rutschman um, finally make his appearance. He has a, a strict game plan, and he follows it to the T. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Reyes in this one. And if he does, I think it'd be a really fun matchup against him and Plesak. If Plesak is on, it should be a, a good win for you guys. Um, but if Reyes does his thing, could make it a very challenging game for Cleveland. All right. So there's lots to be excited about in the pitching for this series. Um, lots of question marks for us as Cleveland fans and, you know, not exactly sure who the stars are going to be in the third game uh, for Baltimore. However, um, I'm sure, as you said, you've watched some Cleveland baseball this year. So, you know, that there's two versions of this team uh, that you could get. Uh, one is a miniature death star and the other is a kitten in a box. Um, so Cleveland, obviously this year has been very hot and cold, but I don't want to talk about that, uh, yet. I want to, I want to get some insight into some player storylines that are going on with the Orioles this year. You know, obviously Adley Rutschman making his major league debut, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He got a triple in his major league debut. Did he not? He certainly did, which is a crazy um, stat as well. If you want to talk storylines, um, that's something that has happened a lot with hyped Orioles prospects when they come up. Um, well, Manny the, Machado had that happen too, didn't he? Yep. In 2012, Manny Machado. Yep. And then in 2008, um, the last hyped big catcher for the Orioles, Matt Wieters also had a triple. So it's like almost wow. like a rite of passage um, for type, top Baltimore prospects. But yeah, the, <laughs> the triple was fantastic. I was actually shocked that it was still ruled a triple because Kevin Kiermeyer of the Rays kind of bobbled it in the outfield uh, against the wall. So I thought maybe they'd scored a double um, with an air, but they kept it a triple. Got to love those hometown scorekeepers. Yeah. The generous, the generous scoring rulings. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are, what are some other player storylines going on uh, in the Orioles clubhouse this year? Well, again, I guess it all still leans down to what's going to happen either on or before August 2nd. 
Um, this team is obviously still competing, or I'm sorry, not competing yet and, and looking to um, rebuild. There are some veterans on this team. There are some players that are close to the arbitration and close to ready for contract extensions. Are they going to be in the, the future of this team? Well, that's where um, a lot of these questions do rely. There's a couple outfielders that um, obviously come into mind right away. Cedric Mullins with how crazy of a year he had last year, being the first Oriole ever to go 30 and 30, um, which is crazy seeing who was in our organization at one point, you know, like Cal Ripken Jr., Manny Machado and, and et cetera. Cedric Mullins is the first person to do that. He did that last season. So Man, that's he said, crazy. isn't that crazy? Yeah. The first time I heard that stat, I, I was like, it has to be a typo. There's no way that never happened. You know, Cal Ripken never did that. Well, he didn't steal a lot of bases. Manny Machado didn't do that. Again, wasn't really a big base dealer. So um, really cool. I thought that was really neat. But Cedric Mullins having an off year this year. Do they decide to keep him in the, into the, the plans or maybe see if they can get something for him? Another one that is really on the radar in my mind, who I think is going to be out the door before August 2nd, is Anthony Santander. And the reason behind that is he's really shown a lot of success getting the ball out of the park. His average isn't as where it needs to be, but he can make some very big plays when needed. He's a perfect piece for somebody who's trying to make the playoff run to come off the bench for uh, for a team that is in that win-now mode. And then, of course, you have the Adley Rutschman situation, which has been very fun. Yeah, he has struggled a little bit since he's came up, but, I mean, what rookies don't? I mean, there's obviously some adjustment periods going. He had a great adjustment time in AAA last year. He really had nothing left to prove. I'm pretty sure he batted 317 with the, for the entire um, league in AAA last year. So he's getting, you know, getting hang of things. I know he just threw out his first runner in the bigs against Seattle tonight. That's pretty cool. And he is very patient at the plate. That is one of the most impressive things that I've seen from him. He hasn't hit a home run yet. Yeah. He's got a triple in his first hit, but his patience is amazing. He's his pitch count per at bat is very high for a rookie. That's impressive watching him battle with two strikes and just getting back in there and digging. And you see, I don't think I've seen an at bat where he's gone three pitches and a strikeout. Like there's at least one foul tip with two strikes, which is great for someone who's only been in the bigs for less than 14 days. Well, and that's what you love to see. You love to see that disciplined hitter profile. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one I think is the most surprising one is Rudnett Odor. (laughs) <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about yeah. him. It's been so crazy. At first, I was like, what is he doing on this team? Right. I just, I honestly, at the beginning of the season, it's like, all right, I'm already over this experiment. But now uh, he's finding a really good spot for, uh, you know, him at the second base spot. He's, I mean, really fun watching him in the seven hole. You know, not, I don't want him any higher than that. It's really cool. He's had a couple walk off home runs this year. It's neat to watch this. What I call it a resurrection of his career. I don't know. The crazy thing is that we've talked about Rudin Odor for years, probably almost a decade. And he's only like 26 years old. He's been in the league for a very long time and he's still very young. Um, So if there's a way to find that he can resurrect his career, um, whether it's with Baltimore or if someone's ready to go take him for a trade, I'm all for it. So I do believe the Orioles are going to be big time sellers at the deadline. It just depends on which ones they decide are going to be in their you know, future plans. And again, back with Mike Elias, manager of the Baltimore Orioles. He has a strict plan and I know he'll stick to it. Uh, I definitely think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I think, I think Trey Mancini was on my trade tracker too. Um, and I think that one hurt me a little bit because I know how much of a joy he's been to Orioles fans. Uh, and what an incredible story. 
beating cancer, uh, coming back last year, competing in the home run derby, um, all around great dude. And, you know, I could potentially see him getting sold too, but trust the process. There's a reason that teams trade away players for prospects is because they're building their future. And on the flip side of that, we're now seeing what that looks like as Cleveland fans and what happens when you build your farm up for so long. And then, well, you kind of have to see what you have. Um, Cleveland's baseball team this year has looked (laughs) very different as the season has gone on. Uh, The team started the year with guys like Bobby Bradley, Bradley Zimmer. Uh, Yu Chang was on the COVID list right off the start of the season. Um, But, you know, a lot of those guys DFA'd. Zimmer was traded to the Blue Jays. Um, Yu Chang was DFA'd to make room for Oscar Gonzalez. So we're in that phase right now as Cleveland fans. we're, We're trying to figure out what the future looks like. So obviously the front office went out and locked up Jose Ramirez for a very long time. Uh, and Hosey, we all know it. He took a fat discount. He could have gotten every bit of $200 million in free agency with a no trade clause. And he wanted to stay in Cleveland. And I haven't seen player loyalty like that in a very long time. And it makes me very happy because if they didn't work out a deal, they probably would have traded him for a prospect hall. But what we're seeing in Cleveland, like aside from outside of our veterans, you know, we're seeing a lot of young talent. We're seeing Andreas Jimenez, who was one of the pieces from the Lindor trade, uh, get everyday playing time, and he's really come into his hitting element. Um, Owen Miller from the trade that keeps on giving, that was uh, the Mike Clevenger trade to San Diego that returned a Hall of Prospects. Miles Straw acquired from Houston. Uh, we're seeing Richie Palacios, who's a prospect. We got Oscar Gonzalez. Um, funny story about Oscar Gonzalez. He was actually an unrestricted minor league free agent. Uh, going into this season and he chose to resign with Columbus, even though he knew that there was a chance he would not make the 40 man roster uh, out of spring camp. And now he's playing out the big leagues and he is smacking the piss out of the baseball. That's cool. Uh, Love to see it. Uh, All of us are wondering like, is his, you know, he, he doesn't strike out that much, but he also doesn't walk and is it sustainable? He just, he gets good lumber on the baseball. Uh, and it's really exciting to see. And obviously, Josh Naylor, <laughs> I, not much to say about Josh Naylor, man. He's he's a guy you want on your team. Uh, huge, huge spark plug, attitude, 10 feet six, uh, brings everything he has, plays hard. Um, so, you know, we've seen a lot of shuffling. I'll, I'll pick two. So my favorite storylines this year are Oscar Gonzalez and Josh Naylor. Um, I did a profile, a prospect profile on Oscar Gonzalez in one of my first podcast episodes earlier this year. Uh, and I posed the question, it's like, is, is he sustainable? You know, he's hitting the ball. He's, he doesn't walk almost at all. I think he walked twice in two months at, <laughs> at AAA Columbus. Uh, and he forced the club to give him a look. And so far he's, he's panned out. Um, and Josh Naylor, obviously an incredible recovery story. You know, he had that nasty broken, uh, broken ankle injury last year in Minnesota. Um, not a lot of guys come back from that type of injury. It takes a lot of conditioning and physical therapy to be able to recondition your body to, uh, run and put weight and swing a baseball bat and rotate on that. Um, the athletic did a really nice piece on that and his resilience and coming through on that. So, um, I'm really excited for this series, I think, I think both teams are soul searching. I think the Orioles are still doing a little bit of soul searching, maybe more so than Cleveland is. 
but there's lots to be excited about with uh, both teams. I agree completely. Yeah, I think that this is going to be um, a fun second half of the season for both squads. A lot of questions are going to be answered, especially after the trade deadline. And then we're going to see what happens when uh, they call up what, who they need to call up to fill the 40. I think the 40, the frenzy to fill the 40 after the trade deadline is going to be wild. We're going to see a lot of waiver pickups and, and teams like Cleveland and Baltimore are both going to benefit from that. Absolutely. And probably going to see a lot of prospects added too to give them rule five protection for the upcoming season. That's true. Yeah. Rule five is going to be wild as well next year. All right, Christian. Well, thank you for coming on and helping me preview the series. This was a lot of fun. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find your podcast at and just a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my podcast is The Row Report, and it does cover everything within the MLB. Um, obviously, I do like to cover the Baltimore Orioles, but I do talk about everything. The last episode we had um, was discussing about what the crazy, um, what's going on with the Philadelphia Phillies. If Joe Girardi, should he still have a job? Um, what's going on with this team? You know, obviously a lot of people fought. A lot of hype was happening with them. Obviously, that's not the case right now. When the Pittsburgh Pirates have a better record than the Phillies, a lot of question marks are flying. So that was what my last episode was about. Um, you can find all my work on slashersports.com. Slasher Sports is um, a big page that um, I co-founded for sports and um, also a little bit of horror fl flicks as well. So that's where the slasher and the sports come together. Pretty cool. You can find all that as well. And then you can find me on Twitter at Rao Report. And that's R-A-U-H, correct? That's right. Yeah, yep. it's like wow with an R. So I can tell everybody. Wow with an R. All right, Christian. Well, thank you, sir. And uh, I'm looking forward to a good weekend of baseball. Looking forward to talk about the series as it happens. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, folks, there you have it. Uh, that is by far probably my favorite podcast episode that I've put together. I hope you guys enjoy it. I had a lot of fun sitting down with Chuck and talking baseball, doing Monday Mailbag. I apologize. The Monday Mailbag segment was cut short. Uh, I had a technical error with Zoom, and I cannot, for the life of me on my hard drive, find the other part of that recording, so that's why it kind of fades out abruptly. Big shout-out to Christian Rao for coming on the podcast. You guys can find him on Twitter at Rao Report. That is R-A-U-H Report. Go check out his Twitter. Check out his website, Slasher Sports. He does great stuff for the game of baseball. Big thank you to him for coming on and talking what we can see this weekend. I will leave you all with the outro music. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can find this podcast wherever you get your podcast, but primarily at, at the corner uh, pod on Twitter. You can follow my personal account, which is at Zachary underscore Buckeye. You can find this podcast main page on anchor.fm slash at the corner. I will tag Chuck in the comments uh, description for this podcast, and I will leave you all to it. Have a fantastic weekend. Watch some baseball. There's lots to be excited about this weekend. Spend time with your families. And as always, go Guardians.